on CNN, ain't see none of my friends. Swag gave me the blues, they never walked in my shoes. They want us living in fear, that ain't what I'm trying to hear. Switched it over to Fox, kept clicking, I barely stopped. New guests on NBC, no one that represent me. So I got tired of waiting, sitting master debate. Give me some headlines, it must be past bedtime. Sleeping on me still like I ain't vitamin D for real. Rep your city, play devil's advocate. Ain't ready, gon' have to sack a bitch. Tell me something good, a recipe for success. Give me some timeline, shop session and flight deck. Hey. P, what's next? Yeah, yeah. This your nigga CLD, the Cater Boy Music, man. And you see your boy firing up one of these old camel crushes on their week's flight that man ain't find up a cigarette man come and talk to y'all about some reckless shit this week it gonna be one of them type of week and you know when we get reckless it's old one two three can't start that shit without my nigga hey. yeah Shooter, before I even let you speak, the reason I brought you in, cause then we flight that we talk about dang white girl. Talk to the people, P. What episode we on? Give me some headline. <laughs> this episode eight, straight out the gate. <laughs> episode eight, aka five plus one, two, three. Can't do this shit without my nigga P. Come sliding in like he think he. We ain't gonna say nobody else's name because we taking the slide. We colonizing that thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This we ain't saying old dude name like uh, Marvin, uh, Harvin Marison. Excuse me. Excuse me. Oh, I don't man. want to smoke. <laughs> you gotta mix them up, man. Hey. It, it, yeah, it man. Smoking one of these white name. sticks because we're going to be talking about a little bit of white chicks. You know what I'm talking about? How you feeling there, Weepy? Feeling good, man. Feeling good. Uh, you know, nice Episode little eight. driving to the night. Been yeah, nice yeah. if you was feeling great. You feeling good? Feeling great? Feeling fine? How feeling are you? Good. Feeling great. Feeling great. Feeling good. How about you? Yeah, I said that you wrong. Remixed it. I want you to know how I feel. Feeling good, feeling great. You gonna ask me why it's on my mind, cuz? Oh, I was definitely getting around to that, man. Why, yeah, why was <laughs> what What happened to you over the weekend? <laughs> Who slid uh, into your conscious ass? Man, it wasn't even, uh, it wasn't even a snowball, it, uh, to be honest with you, yeah, I mean. It's actually a, a partner of mine who is kind hmm. of sort of the Caucasian persuasion, I guess. I only know what to call it. He uh he he is a young well, man who fun. does not you definitely know this nigga. He a vegan. Run like a motherfucker. Used to be fat, then like your dog. This my sweater, by the way, y'all. This my sweater. This my high school sweater. It don't fit no more. Wrap it around. <laughs> Two paper. Yeah, me. I ain't gonna pull the shirt up. But yeah, me. I keep it 
外面不要揭露，不不要揭露，哎，你两岸的配合配置啊，你都晓得 OK， 兵兵兵。Yeah, though. Uh, I ain't gonna rat him out, but uh, yeah, don't do that. Trying to think of a good way to tell you who it is. Nickname is also the name of a insect. Not Spider Man, Ant Man. You would say it, nigga. I did everything I could to not say it. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, man, he out there living, man. He out there in Texas, actually, man. And uh, uh, we just were having a real ass back and forth in the in the you uh, in the old IG messaging, man. He. The, the the beach gray forward, man. Brother, like the way he hit me, he was like, "But I thought you love white girls," and I was like, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa! Don't be putting that shit. <laughs> be easy with that. Don't be out there spreading shit. Hey, it's twenty twenty one, nigga. You can't put that on my name. Hey, you talking about that? Counsel、oh, me yesterday. Hey, you talking about? Oh wow. Who said that?、Man. Who said that? I was like, hey, don't be. Got the messages too, so they gonna screenshot that. <laughs> oh boy, that's in the that's in the archives. Hey, you tell me he gonna screenshot this? I said, nah, 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 chill out. And I done said some reckless shit, and you know you can unsend them, but they in the ethos forever. But、oh. uh, but yeah, I just hope his shit don't go through the messaging and see some of the reckless shit I said, because uh, I talked to him about about her personally. Nah, not about her, but I talked to him about. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, yeah. I know, I know yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm catching on to the.、Uh, yeah, <laughs> you know so, I'm really bad at context clues usually. Yeah, yeah, but we had we had some real conversation. And this is audio、initial? media. No. Okay. Because then <laughs> Facebook can match the messages up. Okay. All right. I got you. That's it. So, 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 so the kickoff was, man. You say you having all this trouble in your dating life. Um, you know who I've never had those issues with. And then, boom, he shoot his first shot off, and I'm like, man, chill out, man,、oh, wow. chill out. So he really started asking me, man, just just be straightforward. Why? What is your reason? What is your reason? What is your reason? And I had to finally just give it up. And I'm about to text it to you right now. Don't say what it is. But I was like, to be honest with you, bro, it's this right here. And I don't care how anybody feel about it. And I can't expect my children to do anything I'm not going to do. You got that text message? I did. Yeah. 
Literally. And I was like, hey, this is going to be a, I'm going to get into some shit this week. You always say I, I dodge these, these you conversations. Be you be dodging. That's some real shit I just sent you, right? It's some shit that I thought about over the weekend a few times. Bro, on God. So, and now I'm fine up with blood Being for the people listening. The we about to take it up one time. I had to start out with one of them white sticks because we talking about white chicks. But man, I'm finna find me up a blood. Talk to the people, P. How do you feel about first brothers out here? Because the culture hates them niggas who run around on that. I only date white girl shit, and I am never going to be one of them niggas. The, to, to be direct, and uh, for the white women listening, I apologize in advance. Uh, he was hounding me because I date white girls, but I've never dated one seriously. Or I had a girlfriend that was white. I only date black girls seriously. Right. And he asked me, why do I never take them seriously? How do I draw those boundaries so clearly? What is it like when those boundaries are drawn? And how do they respond to that? And I was just giving him real answers. And that nigga was shocked. <laughs> so I let you take the flow and I'm going to uh, tap their blunt so I can get honest for a second. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so one thing I was going to be, I wasn't going to say the initials of the person. I was going to say the initials of. I know what you was going to say. Okay. All right. All right. But enough people know the way they could connect the dots. And some people know the initials who know the person and I don't trust everybody. Okay. Fair point. Um, yeah, man. I, how do I feel about. In because I've dated, you know, I've dated. Women that were outside of our race, and I yeah yeah my bad. I didn't mean to yeah. do you and like I, that. No, no, it's I, I've run the gamut. Yeah, I've dated, but it was never based on. Oh, ethnicity. I ain't ashamed, and I'm gonna put this across on. the screen when I said when I was in college, I had a fuck it list. Yeah, just like that bucket list that Morgan Freeman and old Jack Willie had. Jack Willie, Jack Nicholson had, where they were checking all that shit they wanted to do off. I had a fuck. Oh, yeah, yeah. Places I was trying to fuck, different diasporas that I, I, I had a desire to experience. And if you think yeah. that that list ain't been marked the fuck up, cuz you silly. You heard what I'm talking about? 50 yard line at the school I play for. Check. I ain't even gonna keep going through the list. You know, we might have a fuck it list reveal. Now that I done revealed it to the people, first reveal, fuck it list, number one. 50-yard line at the school I play for, University of the South, under the lights, let it go. Fuck it list. i give you one of mine, then. Fuck it list. Go ahead. Location. Yes, sir. Okay, we're going to uh, go location for location. But what? Press box at a university. I did it. Yeah, Lenore Ryan University. Lenore Ryan? Yeah, took, yeah, yeah, took the key. North oh, damn. I get, I get, yeah. For the people who don't know, you can say, I say University of the South, the school I went okay. to. Yeah, yeah. 50-yard line while the Dirty Birds kick for tree. That's why I wanted to, too. I ain't even going to lie. It was a ludiverse. Yeah, that got added to the fucking list because of Ludacris. Shouts out to Chris Bridges. 
You know what I'm saying? We had grass and paint in our ass because of Yuka. 50-yard line. Had to have it. It was on the list, bro. And I don't even know if he... He obviously never smashed during a Falcons game. <laughs> but I right. heard that, bro. Right. And I made it up in my mind right then and there. I am smashing on the 50-yard line at the school I go to while enrolled. And I ain't going to cap. I ain't get it done in high school. Decatur, y'all safe. But Sawani, oh, man. I don't care how many touchdowns you score on that field. Didn't know that your dog scored on that motherfucker, too. That's all I say. You heard what I'm saying? As an old lineman, you ain't going to be able to take that from me, nigga. Fuck your record book. Hey, you talking about But my man, go back to hypothetical. Do your thing and then segue back into the white girl, G. Oh, yeah. Um, My fucking list, location. Nah, nah. I did, uh... Yeah, yeah. Do your thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was, uh... We did press, but we... As me and that person um, hopped up in the press box, man, and got alive in that guy. Um, That was a good time. And then... uh, Oh, that's way too truncated of a story, man. Was it difficult to get up into the press box? How did you gain access? Because the field was locked. Oh, you dirty. I was a coach. Yeah, tell the people. They don't know. I know. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I was a coach up there, man. So I had this a cow conversation on way. This is Well, the people, we're going to let y'all get to know us as we talk to each other about these stories. We want to tell y'all for the first time. Yeah, I forget that everybody's not a part of uh Yeah, well, y'all don't know us well just yet. So, yeah, but they y'all initiated. Yeah. Um, they just finding so out I, uh, about the fuck it list. They don't even, they don't even know about the, about the victory lap. <laughs> We, uh, that gonna piss also, some people off. That might be Luda, How much of a legend would he be if he actually smashed? <laughs> I know that's a crazy hypothetical, but if you actually smashed during a Falcons game on the fifty yard line, you feel maybe a technicality. You know, it's barbershops and bars, and uh, he may have like, smashed so during the, yeah, the Falcons game. Yeah, now that's true. He might, you know, what I'm saying no nigga rang yeah. the bell at Wall Street. Luda got connects, man. Would have rang the bell at Wall Street. Yeah. Was he was, was Tyrese with him? <laughs> was, that, was that a was that a fast five mission? Not at all. I think it was um I forget which company, but he um oh he, um, I know exactly he doesn't have about. a whole firm. But he does have different investments as far as in the venture capitalist round. And a company where he was a chief holder in was going public that day. So he rang the bell on Wall Street as kind of like celebrating that stock being available. It was like that type of thing. Underrated businessman. Oh. We don't don't talk about Luda enough as a businessman. You let Luda tell it. We don't talk about him enough, period. But he's not wrong. Bit, it's a little bit his fault. Because there may be niggas out there that's holding a grudge. And I don't know any of what actually happened. But I, I held a, a grudge on Luda for about, say, for about three, four years. When I really fell in love with Titty Boy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> After I heard Cowboy. And I went back and listened to everything. 
And then that nigga fucked around and dropped. Oh, uh, not based on a true story. Yeah, it was based on the true it was, story. It was boats. It was boats. No, it was true religion. It was true religion. Okay. He dropped true religion about four or five months after I really became a super fan. And all I could think yeah. was, man, what the fuck Luda been doing? And I just was mad. So I did it. I ain't listen to that nigga music. <laughs> I ain't stream nothing. He'll pop up in the Fast and Furious movie. I'd be like, man, look at that lame, man. Nigga. Some Asian nigga throw him through a pane of glass. I'd be like, Psh. Got him. <laughs> I just hating on the nigga for no reason because I was obsessed with two chain movement. But then I yeah. let that shit go and I'm back on the looter train and I fucks with with uh Chris Lover Lover because I had been a fan since he was a radio personality, bro. Yeah, saying shouts out to us going the looter route. Oh, nah, but we was rappers first. We just doing it because we good at this shit. No, no boast, but uh. Back to the motherfucking, <laughs> back to the motherfucking motion. My nigga P was a motherfucking grad assistant at Lenore Ryan while you did what? Yeah, man, while I uh, got busy. Um, so I was a football coach there. Was getting my master's, MBA. Um, had a uh, young lady that I was seeing at the time. She came Bro, up. We talk about the fuck it list with his specialization in foreign markets because he'd be riding around in foreign bitches. Now I'm talking shit. <laughs> I've been making yeah. wild allegations. These aren't true uh, characteristics. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Henry Trotter the fourth is not responsible for any other statements made by CLD to Cater Board Music and vice versa. Neither is he responsible for statements made by Henry Trotter IV, nor is COD the Cater Boy Music responsible for anything said by Montavious Dyson. Press box. Press box pussy, my guy. Yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, late night, one, it was a Friday night, I think. Friday night, so I'm sorry, no, it was a Saturday night after the game. So after That's the game, ridiculous. Yeah. After the game, um, everybody up there. I think we we had that one that get that day because it was pretty pretty nice. Um, everybody was in high spirits, and everybody was partying and whatnot, man. And uh, we slipped away from that guy and went back over to where the stadium is. Like so, I had my office kind of like it led straight to the field. And so I grabbed, I knew where the keys were. Um, it was my partner then. She didn't give them to me. He was responsible for what had like for those keys. And I just knew where he kept them at in safekeeping. So I went into his office, grabbed them guys, man, and, and <laughs> slid back out to the field, pitch black dark out there, um, except for like a few spotlights in uh, certain places. And then um, it made my way up there. And they have like, it's, it was a Division Two. It is a Division Two school, so it's a pretty it, stadium seats, probably like fifteen thousand, something like that. So it's a pretty nice size press box. Uh, went up there to uh, where they, where I know, like the announcers sit at and everything. Ass in the chair the whole nine, man. So yeah, split the gap, split it out, split it out. Yeah, we was out there, man. It was a uh, that was a wild two years of my life. Shouts out, man. That was wild two years. Gang, gang. Uh, 
Yeah. So kids, college is good if you use it to your advantage. <laughs> Man, I swear, let them talk all that bullshit about how you don't need no degree and this, that, and the third and talk you out of college if they want to. That shit is being a grown-up without the responsibility and bills. You better take your ass to college. You better take Learn <laughs> how to network and build your network of people and resources. Best thing I learned in college was time management and resource allocation. Time is a resource, though, so it's it's just chief resource. It's the only one we all have, are constantly losing, and will never get back. And it's also the only resource that none of us know how much of it we have. And that's macro. But on the micro level, we all know we got that same 24 hours. And what you do with that shit is crucial. And what I did with an hour and a half of my 24 hours on one foggy Wednesday night because there would be no traffic at the football stadium. This nigga chose game day. I don't know what the hell he was thinking. But on a Wednesday, foggy, foggy motherfucking Suwanee night. And you know how foggy you get up that nigga. We done came out the motherfucking well, MCC. I swear to God and almost walked into a deer out there. I, man, I love the fucking mountain, man. But, uh, but yeah, man, no cap. He's sitting at McClurg, nigga, at like 7 o'clock. I'm talking about this shit will apply to early in the night. We sitting at McClurg at like 7 o'clock. And, uh, the way this shit actually got sparked off is we got to talking because I missed the naked mile. Mm. I had heard about that shit since I was since I had been in Sawani. Uh Mears told me about that shit. Uh freshman okay. year. He was here. That's the guy. I love dude, man. Yeah, yeah. He got great energy and uh Georgia represent. You already know it. Uh but yeah, I had missed the naked mile or whatever. And uh my partner in crime on this night, I, I won't even allude to who it was because I ain't never told you this story. I tell y'all camera, but uh she she like really stared into my face and was like, Oh, you really cause cause she was they were telling the story and shit, and then Somebody, because I wouldn't ask somebody else, like, who all was that, David? And they went through the names. And when, when they said her name, I was like, you? And when I looked at it, she was like, oh, you said you weren't there, huh? And I froze up. Kind of, t- It's a whole table of people. And she didn't think I would respond. You feel what I'm saying? She thought I was going to be shy about this shit. Because, you know, for the first three years, I was I wasn't single, so I was low key down a motherfucker, and I and I ain't the type of nigga to cheat. So nobody really knew how a nigga move. You feel what I'm saying? Yeah. They ain't understand who they were dealing Best with. That's their way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they ain't understand who they were dealing with. So long story short, I ain't, I ain't gonna get I ain't gonna get my game away because I still use this shit. <laughs> The shit I said to her fucked up, and they were like, okay, I see you, Dave, blah, 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 blah. Me, me and her got up and left then. You feel what I'm saying? And she was acting like it was going go down then, but she played a nigga to the left, gave a nigga to run around, whoop the shoot. I ain't think nothing of it. I'm goddamn partying at the gamma house. I dip out and go to motherfucking uh, Beta. 
to go bother Trey. When I get back, them niggas tell me she came by there looking for me and was waiting in the room for like an hour. And I thought they were fucking with me because two of them niggas was at dinner. You feel what I'm saying? Don't yeah. and whole giggity. And both of them niggas always be fucking with me. Now, when they seen how a nigga was at the senior year, they was halfway rooting me on and halfway mad. It it was people low. It was people in their radar that they they didn't understand. They ain't think we get caught in the tidal wave. You feel what I'm saying? Mm. And you know <laughs> about one of the situations that blew up. Cause one of them was a paramour of one of theirs, and we got real close, but it wasn't nothing going okay. on. So niggas, you got to be direct with me and understand one. If you're curious, ask me. I ain't got no reason to lie. I'm a grown ass man. Two, right. if you don't want me to, I fucks with you. All you gotta do is ask me. You feel me? So he just had a conversation with me. I drew a boundary. It never got crossed. You feel me? But uh, said all that. To you say, have any though? I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Now I was about to ask, like, uh. In those situations are where you have a young lady that you have had, uh, y'all have had a relationship in the past and y'all are no longer exclusive with each other. Do you have, are you one of the types of people who say, well, I don't want nobody else to enjoy her time like I enjoy her time? And so you'll step in and say, "Look here, would you? Would, do you ever have you have you ever had situations where you set that boundary, where you enjoy the young lady's time and like cats, you know? Because I, 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 it's it you comes up quite me? a bit. You know this of me. The audience will learn this of me. I relate a lot of stuff back to this lesson. My grandma made me only promise her a very short list of things in my life, and one of those things was baby." Never let anybody change you for the worse. And the other end of that promise is the people around you change you for the better if you're doing it right. One of the people who I immediately got close to when I got to Sawani, even before I enrolled there, who made me love Sawani and think, yeah, I could go here. I'm going to have, I'm going to be able to rock with the people here. They're going to be cool as fuck. Murph. He was like a brother to me before I got to Sawani. Me being close to C-Murph is how I got close to you, nigga, because y'all was roommates. Yeah. I wasn't sleeping on y'all flow the first football camp because I knew you. We was cool and clicked immediately, and that's how we end up being dogs. But, like, me and C-Murph were cool as fuck. And one of the first conversations we had sitting there playing FIFA and shit, Talking about women, he was like, Man, what type of chick you into? Do the whoop the shoot. And you know, at the time, you know what I'm saying? I'm extra square on drinking, nothing like that. I'd be like, Man, I can't fuck with these bitches who be smoking, man. And you know, he had been at Sawani for a while and he had, you know, lived a little life. And the nigga looked me dead in my face and said, Man, to be honest with you, I think I know you pretty well. And you might want to spend a little time with such and such. And 
I won't say such and such name, but give me some headline listeners. I spent a decade of my life with such and such. <laughs> so I'd be damned if I ever block another nigga blessing. Right. When the nigga I saw as a brother looked me dead in my face and he didn't even know I already had a crush on this person. I had met her when I came on an official visit. You know, I had been visiting for three years because my big brother went yeah. to Sawani. But I right. met her on an official visit and I talked about her the whole ride home. I talked my partner head off about Shouted and had a crush on her and wanted to talk to her. But, you know, never really thought nothing of it. You know what I'm saying? They just talking shit. You feel what I'm saying? But for yeah. me to be sitting there chilling with him and it's the first name that come out of his mouth. Uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, dope women at Sawana and shit. You oh, know what I mean? It's, it's, it's a multitude of them. Wildly intelligent, extremely goddamn smart about their motherfucking business. Like, and surprisingly consistent, great sense of humor, man. It was just some good-ass conversations and life on the yeah. mound, man. Yeah. Especially within our community, our tight-knit community, like, fucking blessings. But, uh, but yeah, we talked about a lot of shit that night, man. We talked about different people and such and such kept like it was it was like, yeah. But like me and Charlotte's story began before that conversation. You know what I'm saying? Right. Cause this is into the school year when we had that conversation. But um I don't even know if he already knew, and that was his way of saying. You ain't got to feel no way, bro. It's all love. I'm going to just be direct about it so you ain't got to ask me. You know what I'm saying? But that's all, like, yeah. from the moment he moved like that, it was, baby, never let anybody change you for the worse. It's your job to make sure they change you for the better. My brother showed me how a real nigga's supposed to live. That's how I see shit. Period. I'd be damned if somebody I wasn't right for, like, not not to get too heavy, that it's supposed to be the white chick episode, <laughs> but I would not be alive without such and such. Not metaphorically, not on some never would have made it gospel shots out the the yeah, I me mean, shots out to the yeah, I already do it. But uh, on some literal, I wouldn't be alive without this human being. And there wasn't an ounce of trepidation in my brother getting the fuck out the way. Furthermore, there was a time in that ten years that me and this young woman spent together that we spent apart. About a year and a, about a year and a half, we were together for ten years, but over the span of like thirteen, you feel what I'm saying? Yeah. But said all that to say, there was a little bit of time where we were split up, and this nigga asked my permission to try and talk to her. I'm gonna repeat that: a woman he dated first. That he told me, hey, bro, I think 
she would be good for you. With what you telling me you're looking for and what I know of your personality and shit, bro, I think she'll be good for you. Dead ass. Ask my permission as grown ass men. He had that conversation with me at 18. I'm out your way. Ain't no hard feeling. Ain't no da da da. I still was in there taking naps on y'all floor when I ain't feel like walking all the way back to courts and shit. Me and her, six months in the day. We done, we celebrating anniversaries. We Facebook fish all that bullshit that was important at the time. You know what I'm saying? And me and him, close as ever. I wouldn't be the hooper I am today without C Murph. And I wasn't even on y'all nigga team. He was training the competition. This nigga will work. He worked with me. He got my handle stupid. He worked with me on my jumper and all that shit. Like Murph got my post game stupid and my footwork. <laughs> like I fucks with Murph. Two people taught me how to hoop. Donald Allen and that nigga, bro. Everybody else was just opponents. But I put him on the list of people who taught me how to do things that I will do my entire life on some like father figure shit. He taught me how to hoop. Like, Donald gave me all of the goddamn fundamentals. He took my shit to another level. I think it's hilarious because I've never even said that to him. He don't know that because he did it subtly, but he was deliberate. He'd never see me do something that wasn't technically sound and not corrected. And we hooped together so much, it was like I had a coach on the floor. That nigga see me go up. And Jeremy will block a shot. And he'll be like, man, go into that nigga body, man. Then he can't lift. You jump higher than that nigga, man. Go into that nigga. Stop fading away. That ain't your game. <laughs> and he on Jeremy team. That shit would be funny as hell. The very next time down the court, I run right up. Be all in that nigga Jeremy shit laying it up. And he'll go talk to Seabird. <laughs> Oh, shit. But yeah, man, like on some dare for real shit, like I, I wouldn't be alive without Shoney. So I'd be damned if I fuck around and step in the way of one of my partner's blessings because I didn't do what I needed to do to maintain that being a blessing in my life. You feel what I'm saying? Because yeah. as, as a man, I have the clarity and and the desire to simply just take responsibility and understand point blank period. I have had nothing but blessings sent into my life. And they were, they were either there to be a blessing or a lesson. You feel what I'm saying? Like, but the actual women that the universe has sent me have been fucking blessings. You feel what I'm saying, bro? So not being with me doesn't change what you are as an entity flowing through the universe. A star is a motherfucking star. You hear me? Right. And I'd be damned if one of my partners have a blessing the universe trying to send them, and I'd be how he don't get it. Right. So that's how I see that. If I can answer, I know I answered that as long as fuck, but that's how I see that. (laughs) That's how I see that. See Murph, and that woman is why I see that the way I see it. I never stand in the way of one of my partners. And that's why I don't see how niggas trip about their partners dating their sisters. And I'm like, 
So you'll kick it with this nigga every day and have him in your house around your family, but you wouldn't want him to date your sister. You only want strangers to date your sister. Niggas, you ain't vetted for five, ten years. And that's some interesting shit that I yeah, that I had to deal with deal with in my life is it made me look in the mirror. And niggas who I wouldn't want to date my sister, I stopped fucking with. Stop fucking with them. <laughs> Dead ass. Because I said, if I'm judging niggas not liking that, who would I not want to date my cousin? Because I don't have any sisters. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, who would I not introduce to my cousin? Because I've had niggas be like, bro, man, what's up, what's, what's up with short? I'm like, man, get your ass the fuck up out of here. The moment I think that, I don't yeah. fuck with that nigga no more. <laughs> And I think and about I niggas who don't, <laughs> niggas, exactly. Niggas who don't take care of their kids, ain't no way in hell I would let you talk to my cousin. Right. So if you have children and you're not in their life, I can't fuck with you, bro. You see what I'm saying? Like, I start yeah. thinking point blank period. If you couldn't date my sister, if I had one, you can't be around me, my nigga. So fuck around and have a kid you don't take care of. You can get right the fuck up out my life, bro. We can't smoke together. We can't kick it together. We can't get money together because you ain't going to go get your jit so you can get the fuck up out my face, cuz. You know what I'm saying? Like, fuck you, dog. Like, that's just how I feel about it, bro. I had a teammate that was <laughs> I can't a renegade, even be special man. about it. It just fuck you. That how, cause, like, I ain't going to help feed into a nigga who ain't feeding this seed. Because I give life to the people in my life. That's what my desire and my mission is. And I feel like I accomplish my purpose when I'm focused. And I'd be damned if I breathe life into a nigga that ain't breathing life into his life. You feel me? Yeah. I had a teammate what you that was a No, I was saying I had a teammate that was a renegade, man. He, he's one of the most off-the-wall people that I've ever met in my entire life. But he had a, he had a sister. And she, it was kind of a C-merge situation where one of my close partners dated my partner's sister before I did in high school. And mm. like she was showing some interest. And so I reached out to him because he had graduated. And he, I was like, hey, bro, like, whoop the shoot, man, Shawty been kicking it. Like, I think I want to date Shawty, man. Would that, would that be cool with you? He was... He was a freshman in college at the time. I was a senior. Shawty was a junior at high school, I think. Yeah. And so mm. he uh, and he was like, bro, like, yeah. Like, what do you? He And I and so I went to him and asked him. And then I talked to her brother. And her brother was like the renegade. He was ecstatic. He was like, bro. He like, man, she looking up. Like, and that's, you know what I found, bro? And you'll find this about you. I find myself fighting against social norms as far as complaints or things that people hate. And a lot of that shit don't apply to me. Like, even what we're talking about. Yeah. I give you two. What we're talking about. Most niggas I know wouldn't have a problem with me dating a family member. But most niggas I know would have a problem with any other nigga in our friend circle dating a family they member. Family, 
You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Furthermore, in a situation like what you're talking about, you haven't really ever gotten a no. And the response is usually, to be honest with you, Dave, part of the reason why I don't give a fuck if you do it, because you the type of nigga that would ask first. A lot of niggas wouldn't ask. I think they have a big part to play with it, bro. Yeah. It's a character trait of someone you wouldn't trip about doing it. Like, for instance, I had a conversation with a nigga on the front end about running at somebody who he didn't even date. I was just aware, fucked up somebody, fucked up his situation. Exactly. I was aware she had caused difficulty in one of his other relationships. And it became clear to me that if I had the desire, I could spend time with the person. So before I did anything, I went and had a conversation with this dude. He gave me the green light. It led to all kind of problems. This is the same nigga. Yeah. And this is the same nigga who went behind one of his own teammate back to holler at somebody who he had dated for years. So that's what I mean by the character of the person matter. 100%. Because this is the type that would go behind your back and try to shoot his shot at your main and would lie about how attached he was to some strange. Sorry, sorry, ladies. This a cow. This a conversation on wax, and we recorded yeah. this shit. But we we fin- we having this conversation. We deep in this shit. Yeah. But to jump up out of this shit, <laughs> I was sure that these two Derricks, the two Derricks, double D, like Ed, Ed, and Eddie. We had Derek and Derek, Derek, whole giggity. And now them niggas beefing. Them niggas is not cool. But uh, no, nah, they not. I, well, nah, I think they is. I don't know what's going on. But yeah, at the time, it's, Derek uh, and Derek is it, is was it, dumb it, and dumber. Oh, it was okay. It's the two Derricks. It was at one time. I know it's a Derek and a... Shut up, nigga. They're my story. Now I'll tell you <laughs> shit. It was both the Derricks. This was before... I got you. This was before... They weren't both on campus. We we one in the military, one working. You feel what I'm saying? But um, I'm sure they was fucking with me. But they was like, nah. They was like, nah. She kept talking about going to the track, going to the football field. And I was like, whatever, cuz. So I leave that motherfucker on a bike. I'm drunk as fuck at that point. The whole reason I was at dinner was to steal a whole bunch of orange juice to make screwdrivers because I had a cheap ass handle of vodka, bro. I'm litty. I'm riding that little curvy street that leads to the pub. And I'm about to crash over by the international house. And I look over toward PKE and shit. And guess what I see coming out that motherfucker? Oh shit, I almost said the name. Hold up. Damn, I done said the sorority. I gotta take a nap. 
Oh. Ah. <laughs> oh. That's funny. Whoa, whoa. Whoa, whoa. All right, now you can't get two in the character. <laughs> All right, so, 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 I saw, I saw, I saw, I don't even remember what I was using as the alias. So she came out of a place that was across the street from where I almost crashed. And it was one of them, damn, did anybody see that moment? And the last person you would want to see that shit, seen that shit. When I looked up, she was laughing. So I was like, well, I mean, fuck it. She saw it. So I'm going to ride this motherfucker are. to her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> ain't the reason ain't like it ain't have it. Jump off the bike <laughs> and walk up like, yeah, yeah, you see me, you see me, fuck it. So I rolled up. She was like, oh, yeah, you might want to. How long you been and she just kept for real. She was like, yeah, you might want to get out that shit because if you fuck around, follow her, you're going to miss out on the festivities. I was like, what you mean? She was like, <clears throat> I can't say what she said. I can't say what she said, but she made it clear that she had been plotting on me and me not wavering made her want it more. And she said my reward was her making sure I didn't miss out on a great Sewanee experience. Her and four of the girls ran the naked mile with me, and then they dipped, and I smashed on the 50-yard line, bro. Just me and them. Slowest mile I ever ran in my life. You hear me, bud? She went and and got four recruits and then provided the happy ending. When I tell you I enjoyed my senior year, when I'm, I'm looking to the camera, when I tell you I enjoyed my senior year, bud, it was ridiculous. That's when they got so. four recruits, Pete. I told you, bro, I got some stories I ain't shared with you, bro. I'm going to talk to you about some things on this show, man. But uh, I'm going to send the episode to 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 uh, Paul Rudd, too. But, uh, that man. That nigga said, who is that? <laughs> That nigga, you know, he said, I got to get up on the lingo. I hope the fans get that shit, man. We got to get some high level smoking weed, get all the double entendres and jokes and shit. But yeah, speaking of Paul Rudd, yeah, yeah. Bruh, can I tell you, bruh. I'm going to just say I had my A game going that night, too. You hear me, cuz? Shit got reckless before it cleared out, too. It was ridiculous. She knew who to get when she went to go get people. I added Naked Mile to the fucking list and crossed it off. 
There's an actual fucking list, by the way, people. It exists. <laughs> but you know, I just thought it wasn't gonna play out. Oh, yeah, me. <laughs> Laminated. No. <laughs> Hey, so, man. I did ass. I had a ceremony where I was going to retire that bit, bro. I had them put away like $4,500. I was going to go put a down payment on. What am I? Why am I telling this story? What am I? T- that's that's for a later season. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. Oh, man. Bucket list. White bitch. I mean, bitch. Season I ain't high. said bitch. Oh, <laughs> uh, that 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 wasn't for a white bit. That was. Wait a minute. What am I doing? We got all on topic. We we supposed to be talking about white cheese. We did a whole lot of setup. That was about an hour ago. Well, I got. <laughs> I started panicking, boy. My mind started running toward what it wanted to talk about. You know how the thought bubbles work, and I gave you a little inclination into. An atom bomb that was dropped into the social network up there. You know what I'm So about six of the 12 bubbles is doing a lot of counterintuitive shit right now, P. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. At all times. One is only playing shit that was ringtones. That's all one bubble doing. Across that 10-year span, that's all it's doing is playing songs that was ringtones. Pissing me the fuck off. No matter how much hip hop I listen to, it won't it won't delete that playlist. I ain't even know that shit was in there like that. And that shit like chronological. Yeah. Yeah, you know I mean, like that shit go. That shit go doop, 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 doo doo, doo doo, doop, doop, doo doo, right up my goddamn day. Just fuck my whole day up. But uh Woo. But yeah, man, the the honesty that I was hoping would be at the end of this blunt, that's not, it came out about shit that I hoped would be the white bit conversation, and it, it was a whole tornado of other shit. But that how these conversations on WAS, that how these conversations go, they just happen to be on WAS. You got to start making that noise with me when I drop that. I've been waiting for you to jump in on that uh, police academy. But uh the the direct answer to Ant was I just I just never give him a chance to turn it into anything serious. And uh the type of niggas we was about to say that I know that women gonna hate exist because it's it's they it's well known that sisters hate that I only date white women niggas. Yeah. But they don't know it's niggas out here recruiting dudes who don't date white women to date them. Them niggas out here. <laughs> They're like, bro, you ain't dated a white woman? Well, you fucking up, man. Is this, is this, is this, is this, is that. And the thing that is causing a problem is that when niggas go date white women, it be this, it be this, it be this, and it be that. It be as advertised. And that's a conversation that motherfuckers don't want to have. But it's one we're about to have. P, how you feel about it? 
true or false? Um, in my experience, man, I have found, yeah, I was never re- recruited to, yeah, always, I've always lived, you, you know, was captain of the team, so you didn't have to get recruited. <laughs> I was, yeah, I was, yeah, I was captain of my own ship, man. Yeah. And so the way it happened for me was, I just wanted to spend my time around dope chicks and whoever came into my consciousness, whatever they looked like, they got, they got my time for however long, uh, it ran this course and I had a few, yeah, girlfriends that were not melanated and it was, it, I can't, can't even front. It was a good time. <laughs> I've done a lot of good shit, a lot of wild shit. Man. Um, that was, uh, that I, have I like to hide behind my microphone. That's what I do. Especially in this conversation. <laughs> um, you know, yeah, I have dated. Start throwing stones at me. You got to be spot on with that bitch. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, man. PB dating them. I have been on whoa, dates with whoa, PB dating them. B is, yeah. Used to be no. dating them. P used Thank to you. date them. <laughs> He does. He does. <laughs> My lady listened to every episode of this podcast, man. So we need to make it very clear that those days are My done. Dating any other woman, for that matter. <laughs> Can I overshare? You, you asking for permission now? Can I really tell the people who Montavious Dyson is? Go ahead. Man, when me and my nigga P hey, used to hey, go <laughs> when me and my nigga P used to go on what we call do it big trip. See at, at the University of the South, whole niggas had this shit called work study. <laughs> and you got your check once a month. Yeah, I mean, and that thing be looking fat. You been working a whole month and you had to spend money on shit. So we take a portion of that check and we do a do it big trip once a month, goddamn. It's, it's a gaggle of us, nigga. We could rent a goddamn stupid van and go do real uh, hood rat shit with our friends, you know what I mean? So, the older we got, the more bread we had, the crazier the trips got. And me and my nigga P used to move with aliases, man. And my favorite alias was uh, when me and P were two brothers. Quinn and Montavious Dyson. And that's why them, them names are attached to this show. <laughs> Quinn and Montavious Dyson were two brothers from Florida. Uh, their mama was in the military. That's why she wasn't ever around. And their daddy was somebody she met in her travels. And that's why they didn't know who he was. Uh, but it, uh, that's why they, they had different daddies, but the same mama. You feel what I'm saying? Like... That's why we look a little bit different. We had we had that whole shit work. Whole out. backstory. Whole <laughs> backstory. Said all that to say, David, David Allen, only date black women. That nigga Montavious Dyson, a savage. You hear what I
when I tell you that nigga got some bodies buried at UGA, he got a few goddamn lurking in Murphy, bro. Where the hell is UTC? What city that shit in Chattanooga? Chattanooga. It's really in the outskirt. Where Brainerd and all that shit be at? I don't know what Brainerd is. Yeah, uh, brains on Brainerd, nigga. I remember saying that shit like it was. I, that should be stuck in my head. I'd be sitting in class, brains on Brainerd, bro. I can't wait to Friday. I jump in the. That was back when I had a little cut dog up there. That bit was ticking, but that shit got me where I needed to be. I drove that bit back and forth to chat like I was goddamn selling dick. <laughs> what was that little club right there by the Waffle House, bro? Bro, I stayed out that Waffle House waiting for my blood alcohol level to come down so many nights so I could drive back to Sawani, bro. Was you there that night I played chicken with the cop? That wasn't me. I wasn't there. That, this happened, I'm bro. sure, later in your career. And I was probably gone at that point. Bro, we were dead ass at the club. I walked straight across the street to the cop. I said, my man. He's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Back up from the car. That nigga, you was just patting people down and tapping nut sacks. I can't. <laughs> he get out of the car, and I'm like, hey, my man, you got a breathalyzer on you? He like, why? What's going on? I'm like, man, I had me a few drinks in that bitch. I'm trying to see if I can go to the crib, but I need to go chill at Waffle House. He's like, you feel okay to drive? I said, my nigga, <laughs> I'm good to drive, but I need to know whether or not if I got pulled over, y'all would be on some fuck shit. So you mind letting me hit your breathalyzer real quick so I know whether or not I can jump in the whip. He's like, oh, I ain't even got it on me. I was like, bullshit. You posted up right outside of a club parking lot because you plan on pulling niggas over. I know you got your breathalyzer. He started smiling and didn't say shit for like two whole minutes. And it's like three niggas standing behind me waiting to see what happened. Cause they're like, bro, don't go over there and do that shit. I said, I'm going to go do this shit. We go over there and the nigga like, and then he just look at me. And I'm looking at Waffle House and then I look at him and I'm looking at Waffle House and then I look at him and then I just go to Waffle House. He said, you made a good decision. I said, you motherfucker. And then like they just started walking behind me and trailing to the motherfucking Waffle House. We sat over there for like three or four hours because he waited on us to come back. And I was sober as fuck, but I couldn't be sure. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? By the time we left Waffle House, the sun was damn near out, bro. We had to get back for class, nigga. It was that bad. <laughs> yeah, but I tell you, we were savage, nigga. Because we had transpo, we used to get up and just dip. Yeah. Speaking of them snow bunnies, I had to go on the squad. That 45, that's, that's one of that the best 45 minute drives in the country. That ain't nothing. nothing. To and get from the top the of the mound to the bottom of the mound, you don't have to hit your gas pedal. And yeah. that's like 13 minutes yeah. of the drive. You just floating and got down, yeah. down the Cumberland Plateau. Beautiful drive. And then 25 minutes is weaving through the mountains a little bit. And so it's super nice. And you just sliding down. So it's super easy. It's a super easy drive. Then you stop, at, stop in South Pitt and hit the Walmart on the way back. You come back with all the Rice Krispie treats. You're a celebrity when you get back to campus. You feel what I'm Yeah. Nigga, we had all the snacks, but uh, 
that's how you really become a celebrity on that campus. You use that word right. instead of check to buy a snack. Oatmeal cream pies, zebra cakes. But they're part of it. I don't know what it is culturally, but the detachment and the level of nurture that's there. And like, I don't know what it is about that dynamic, but the level of nurture that you get from, I hate to even have this conversation, man, because I feel like it's going to get attacked, but we having it. But, like, the level of nurture you get from your Caucasian friends is exponential. And I'm not saying just females, but the yep. level of nurture you get from your Caucasian friends is exponential. And part of the reason why me and you vibe is because it's something that is actually reciprocal there. But it's like... It ain't taught or ingrained in us to have that level of nurture. But part of how I got back and forth to Chattanooga to do all that fuckery and shenanigans is chicks I was kicking it with throwing me their keys all the motherfucking time. Knowing I was headed to Chattanooga to go engage in fuckery. You feel what I'm saying? Yeah. I couldn't imagine under any circumstances there's no way to sugarcoat it a black woman giving you the keys to her car to go to another city to meet someone else and I would just say it like that instead of point blank what it was you feel what I'm saying because I like you and I both know I ain't no player, I ain't no pimp, I ain't no slick nigga, none of that. I tell the 100% truth. If I say it is me and you, we are in a monogamous relationship, I don't give a damn what's put in front of me. You don't have to question whether or not I value what I said and what my word over busting a nut in any given situation, over arousal in any situation. I look at cheating as... I don't do anything that I wouldn't want my partner to do. I only look at it just as fucking. Right. Like, I go out to the club and I dance and shit, so I ain't gonna trip about my lady dancing and blah, blah, blah. I wouldn't want my girl sitting in the VIP in a nigga lap for 30 minutes. So I don't let a bitch just sit in my lap when I'm, when I'm out partying and shit. Even if I right. done bought the bottle and I'm paying for all the drinks, y'all can kick it. We can have a good time, have a conversation. Y'all could be posted up over here for an hour. But it's boundaries to this shit. You feel what I'm saying? Right. That's how I look at it. I don't do or allow any shit to happen that I would want my lady doing. That's how I look at that shit. But if I am not in a relationship, I operate on some very simple shit and I say the same thing to everybody I deal with. Do not ask me a question you don't want the answer to because you're going to get that motherfucker. My grandma taught me to tell the truth because if you tell the truth, you can forget what you say. It's the same every motherfucking time. And I don't have to be stressed out at all if I say exactly what it is. If you say, oh, I don't give a fuck, man. You can, you can take the whip anytime. Just let me know. I come and be like, hey, Shada, you think I can go to Chattanooga? And you throw me the keys? Hey, what you going to do? 
Fuck a bitch. You think I ain't say that, bro? Who? I give the name. Bro, I ain't like, do not ask me a question that you don't want the answer to. And if the response was, give me my goddamn keys, I toss them back. But what we not going to do is I go to Chattanooga, fuck a bitch, come back, you find out tomorrow, and then be fucking mad. That's what we not going to do. We mad right now and say I can't do the shit. And I'll go ask somebody else for their keys. Somebody else for their keys. You goddamn right. Because <laughs> I'm headed to Chattanooga. I'm on this mission one way or the other. How I get there is what's up you in there. You right feel <laughs> And the funniest thing is I don't deprive the melanated women I deal with of that transparency. You just get a whole fucking different response, boy. <laughs> And I respect it, and I welcome it. And, and like, I, when it comes to dating for real and building with someone and looking toward my future, they are who I choose and gravitate to. I don't know what to tell you, baby. And, and this is what Aunt keeps saying. He like, do you understand how dumb that shit sound? That's. The- He's like, so the one that got a way heavier nurture feeling, nah. The one who don't give a fuck what you do, you could be honest with, and they don't handle none of your motion, nah. He's like, what the fuck is your problem? And I'm like, everything worth having ain't easy, nigga. True. And that's that's all he can say. That's all he can say. Like, you right about that. You right? Because if your if your biggest claim to value is is easy, easy, I'm okay not having it, and I ain't trying to disrespect y'all, uh, non melanated women, but we just having a real conversation about what's guided choices, and there is no deliberate thing that's guided my choice to not date a white woman. Seriously, I just have not done it. And that's why me and my my partner were having this conversation. The only women I've dated seriously are black women. And I make no motherfucking apologies about it and have no plans to change it. None. Yeah, I, uh, I respect it, man. And I don't even know what serious dating constantly. It ain't even like a hard, fast decision I made. It's just how shit is. And it is what it is. I don't know what to do with it. It ain't because I'm... And like, this was funny. This is on wax. They gonna see me with a white girl and go, that nigga dating a white girl. Look at him right there. He with a white girl. And I'm gonna be like, okay. (laughs) After if she live with me, like what Got the fuck me. you want me to say? Like <laughs> after after if she know where my mama stay, like what you want me to prove that she like you want me to try to prove she not important, and that's what I don't want niggas to try and get this. Man, I be out here disrespecting the fuck. I, that ain't how I move. I don't disrespect no human being who blessed me with their time. I just told right. you how I see that motherfucking resource. 
I treat anybody I deal with with a great deal of motherfucking respect. I speak vulgar. I don't live disrespectfully. I curse like a motherfucker, but I do not live disrespectfully, nor do I think that callousness toward people who are in my life to provide affection brings me any sort of superiority or any fucking sort of cool. So please don't think I'm out here disrespecting anybody I deal with, black women or white women. I'm just being very fucking honest about what the timeline has looked like. And when I look at my timeline, if there was any one in the story I would have dated seriously, it would have been a shit show, I think. I think it would have been a shit show. But not because she white, but because that was part of the fun of us existing. You know what I'm saying? So if it wasn't going to be messy, it wasn't no point. <laughs> and of all the people I dealt with, it's the person I dealt with the longest. That's why I said if it was any of them that I would have dated, it would have been, you feel what I'm saying? Yeah. And you don't even know about that person. We ain't had conversations about that human being. I got shit you don't know about, cuz. How you feel about it, man? That's heartbreaking. Uh, um, that y'all know about shot? No, nah, that was that was sarcasm. Oh, okay. <laughs> Fuck you, there, Ken. <laughs> uh, everybody got not even secrets, man. You just got things that you live the full. Like you can't pack all the thirty-three years into the, the ten years we well, not even ten years. We known each other since two thousand and four, so. Oh, have each other like yeah, 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 almost yeah, have each other like a little more than half a man. You older than me, nigga. Nah, I live in 2004, 17 years ago. I ain't the 33. I'm gonna block out all this age talk. Some niggas don't know how old we are. Play a song. Hold up, do something wild with your hands so I can find Go wild. Go wild. I I better find that. Don't it look good on me? Damn, coming back for nothing. We've been trying to cook our son's levels to this shit. But you speak that. With the years I don't put on it, bitch. It's only right I ice the wrist. Jumping off the cliff, right hand spike does end up here a minute. Sliding through the east, I see some melanated goddess with. No, I don't deserve a shit. But I'm let though. Hey, get here good for the stress though. I ain't even gonna let you riff. I'm gonna ask you a direct question. Do you agree with Paul Rudd? 
all that as she sliding in that dread. Hey, oh, she might be right. Do I agree with Paul? That I should try before I. Oh, I got you. Choose a final destination. That I should open myself to it. If there is an invisible barrier, one that isn't principle based, yeah. I haven't been completely transparent about the whys, but outside of the hidden ones. Is it an experience I'm depriving myself of, or is it just some um, is it just a part of life and it ain't no difference? In my honest I I in all honesty, I think it's the latter, but I've never deprived myself of any woman who's wanted to spend time with me. Like, if you actively show me you want to spend time with me, like, that's how all those women have come into my consciousness, is they've made an effort to be in my life. In some form or way or another, like, we start a conversation and we just, I look up and it's not an active decision. We just happen to be there. Like with Shawty, who I spent a great deal of time with that uh, over the course of many years, we was on and off, on and off. Like it was just, she refused to leave my consciousness. And she was always like, I'm trying to give you this time. And we actively would sit in St. Luke's on the floor. I remember looking at the ceiling one day, we was head to head, like on our backs. And we were just looking at the ceiling and having a conversation in the middle of the hallway. And she told me, like, quit trying to push me away. That's that's not going to be what happened. You can do this to other people. You're not going to be able to do this to me. And so, and other women are treating me like that, which I, I it, it, it makes you feel good that people want to push themselves into your life. And so any woman who actively pushes herself in there, like the, uh, like the young lady I met out in Portland, I think I've told you about, like, Mm-hmm. Uh, I met her on Tinder. It was random Tinder shit, and she reached out. Like I, I be matching with chicks. Like, like how you do? Like, you, you know, revealing me everything. Hey, hold on, whoa, 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 whoa! You put my business <laughs> in the street now. You put my business in the street now. Oh, need a live No, I'm fucking with you. I'm fucking with you. What episode? Yeah. Crazy. So, like, on Tinder, I just swipe right on people. I think I'll read their bio and see their pictures and be like, oh, attractive. And when you match with somebody, a lot of times you match and you don't even message them. But I got a message from Michelle. I was on a work assignment in Portland, Oregon. And I matched with this young lady. I was like, oh, that's cool. And I just moved on from it. About 17, I remember it was 17 minutes later, she hit me up. And she's like, you want to get a drink tonight? <laughs> we was complete strangers complete strangers we read each other bio she hit me up said you want to get a drink r.i.p i'm getting ripped tonight <laughs> you so, don't even know about that trend oh head now i'm talking shit yeah uh and so it's uh yeah if you push your way into my consciousness and that's where you want to spend a little bit of time until i'm like look man this is it is run its course. Um, or if I see things going a direction that I'm not willing to go. Like I had a girl. Um, Can I be I honest with you, bro? Yeah, yeah. My bad. Go ahead. No, nah, I had a young lady who 
she's, I don't even know if they melanated. People from Australia melanated? Uh, yeah, she was Peruvian and Australian. So I don't Nigga, know you gotta, You can tell if they melanated. It don't matter where they came out of vagina. Australia nah, has Aboriginal was, people who are melanated. Yeah, yeah. So she could be Australian and have be of African descent. Somewhere I'm gonna, be, I'm gonna keep it, I'm gonna keep it a stipe. She looked white. <laughs> <laughs> she looked white. She probably white there, bro. Yeah. Um, look like a cat, talk like a cat, walk like a cat. It's probably a kitty cat. Uh, that's all I'm gonna say. Well, well, thank you, uh, thank you. We building the chemistry. Thank you. Yes, <coughs> that's what I'm talking about. I'ma jump in right there, cuz. Can I be honest with you, bro? It's been two times where I met white women where, well, no, okay, yeah. It's been one time where I met a white woman where I had a, I'm trying to figure out the best way to describe it. You know how when you was in, formative school you had uh some girls you liked some girls you had a crush on and then it may be an infatuation phase and you actually try to date the person where you can't stop thinking about that person so it's different levels to liking people you know what i'm saying yeah so on some grown man shit like as far as following my instincts like i don't look for women who like me i look for women who i have a desire to spend time with and i seek them out i don't really worry about who be coming at me you feel what i'm saying mm-hmm. and uh it was this one situation where this woman's energy and our interactions like it it was a situation where The, the the current position that I was in created a situation where through her property management company, me and her did work together on a regular basis. And um, she would always make sure she was with me the entire time I was at different properties. You feel what I'm saying? And uh, the conversations we had, man, like, the best way I could describe it is like an epiphosonic sensation where it's like it washes over me and it won't go away. And I can feel the energy. You know what I'm saying? And it terrifies me. The only other time I've acted on that instinct is when I was in a situation where I went to the same school as the person. We lived walking distance from each other. And she liked me as much as I liked her and wasn't going to let me not act on the instinct. (laughs) So, and the one barrier that could be there, we talked about earlier being knocked out the way because if my partner had had a real conversation with me, I wouldn't have disrespected the boundary. But that got knocked out of the way. So I couldn't run from how scary it was. You feel what I'm saying? Yeah. But like, 
This woman, like, her energy was fucking strong, bro. I'm talking about and it. And she was about that life, nigga. She, she was on some nigga. Here go the personal say I need the personal number. I don't want their work shit. Like, and like we communicated and shit. And I ain't even gonna front. We having a real conversation tonight. We done destroyed the whole format. We ain't doing no segments. We just talking, baby. Uh, nigga. She asked me out three different times, bro. And I found a way to not go, bro. Because I knew I wouldn't be able to avoid just, yeah, I mean. So what do you think caused that, lack of a better word, impotence of acting on that instinct? No, You knowing me and us having this conversation and me revealing what I have as far as transparency, what do you think created that fear or why why do I not go and and act on and, that? And this young lady was not melanated, correct? No. That's the thing. You your principal. And so your principles, you you stick to your principles and it, it went against your principles and you was like, nah, I'm principled in this shit. And you you said that shit was magnetic and you didn't want to go down bro, that route because I'm talking it about led electric, you down some shit. Bro. Yeah, right. Like, and like, so I can't, I can't ignore bro, it. I don't know how you do first, this. Shit, the I first can't time, that. bro. The first time, at like the mic stand is our arm, bro. The first time we stood next to each other, nigga, the hairs on my arm stood up, nigga. Yeah. And I feel like she could sense that shit because she just started giggling. Yeah. And I was like, what you giggling at? Because you know what I used to do. And I'm like, ain't shit funny. What you laughing at? Yes. <laughs> And she was like, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. And we was like the fucking basement, yeah. You know I mean, and I'm like, okay, I see what I need to see. All right, let's hit the next floor. And then like that day I made the company like another two thousand because she took me to three other properties. I had to change my schedule that day. That's how I that's how we got the contract for the property management company. Cause she was doing hers herself. And then I talked to her about the other stuff that I was doing as far as the other jobs and stuff. So I introduced her to different companies that did that type of work. And she ended up going with those companies. And then we got the contract with those companies because they had had issues. You see what I'm saying? When I tell you I made so much fucking money for that company, it's disgusting. But anyway. (laughs) But, uh... That day, it was supposed to be 45 minutes, and we ended up spending like three and a half hours together. So the conversation was just like, we talked about so much shit, bruh, and like, bruh, it fucked me up, bruh. I like, can't do it, man. Can't do it, because if I go, I already motherfucking know, because I know now. Yeah, you in. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not. Yeah. She I'm gonna fuck come around. up when I need air, and we walking I don't know around. how long it's going to be before I need air. <laughs> I'm walking around, you know what I'm saying, in slacks and a polo, just some regular, you know what I'm saying, some boots and shit. She walk around blue jeans and a t-shirt. We handling business, you know what I'm saying, because we wear whatever the fuck we want to because we do what we do. You feel what I'm saying? Yeah. She fuck around, show up in a sundress, nigga, with her hair done. That shit was going to be over with. You hear me, nigga? That shit was... <laughs> <laughs> nigga, that shit was going to, man, that shit was going to be over with, G. 
that shit was gonna be OV. They was shot it from. She came up to visit Swanee. Everybody, like, I feel like everybody knew who she was uh, at Swanee, even though she didn't. Andre Three K. You're the reason for the word. Just playing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shawty. We, everybody knew we who she them. was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Everybody, everybody knew who Shawty was, man. And when we met, and we met in high school, and we had, like, our relationship had been dead for, like, two years by the time y'all had met her. Like, it had been dead for two years. And we just, re- I don't even know how we reconnected. And so it was, it was very, like it was, yeah, that was, that was our second run of things when that we all started seeing her again. And so we, uh, but we had gone through so much together because her folks do not like melanated men or people, period. And so, you know, how I am as a person is, I, I like a good challenge. And I was like, oh man, we finna nah, fuck that. We finna go. And my mama, boy, whoo, Jade, she did not, she did not. She like, grew up in the era where she saw young black men taken from their families because of that type of behavior. She, and she was like, they, she's like, I can't have and I and it was me being, you know, I, like I felt like I was invincible. I was we, when I met Shadi, I was 16, 15. We were 15 and 16. And it's like, you just, man. And so, and that relationship lasted until... Dumb shit only, like Romeo and Juliet teach young people that unrequited was, love is a beautiful thing yeah. and ignore how that story ended. You know what I mean? Right. But they glorify right. unrequited love. And to this right. day, unrequited love make for beautiful art, in my opinion. Some of my favorite fucking songs, almost by Tamia. Uh Breaking Up Was Easy in the 90s by the boy Sam Hunt. Smashes, you know what I'm saying? Drunk on the plane. The, the, the yeah. last two were country songs for most of y'all who don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. Dirks Bentley. Preach yourself. Dirks Bentley, Drunk on a Plane, Sam Hunt, Breaking Up Was Easy in the 90s. Hell, hell, uh, uh, Luke Bryan, Do I. I'm not about no goddamn country music. If you ain't listening to country music, you ain't living life. It is the only genre of music that is still telling stories as an archetype of the genre. Treat your motherfucking self. Period. I do not own the copyright of them lyrics. That's just me doing some bad karaoke and my auto-tune that shit in post-production and auto-tune the news. 
And Straight up. But uh, I interjected a little bit of unrequited love music into my dog P talking about his story of rebellion at a young age, having been 15 to 16, met a young woman who was all accounts, all traditional American standards of beauty, the standard of beauty, and refusing to let anything deter him from just being a fucking kid. Like, true, stereotypical story of what you'd see on some lifetime shit in the South. Young, black, multi-sport, track, basketball, football athlete who made good enough grades to go to college on an academic scholarship and play football because he felt like it. He is not good enough to date your daughter simply because he is melanated. Like, I went to this nigga high school literally for a ceremony where they retired his jersey just from one of the small accomplishments of having been on an undefeated team in the process of coming through that school, and that was basketball. And he went to college and played football, you understand? While being a straight-A student, this kid is not good enough to date your daughter. Yeah. And uh, it's interesting, man. Like, it's interesting that in the year of our Lord, when that happens. Can I ask you the question that the Kofi hats would ask? Well, yeah, go ahead. That man raised that girl. Is that in that girl? Why do you feel like she wants to date you? Do you feel like you were a part of a rebellion? What do you feel like it was because genuine I was, attraction? Because of what I told you, I, I was ready to be. Once I found out how it was going to go down for, like, what her. I, once I found out her pops' wishes, I was ready to say, "All right, I'm cool. Like, we good." You know what I'm saying? Like, I was like, you know, we could we could try to do this thing, but. I don't want nothing to happen to me. I don't want nothing to happen to you. So let's I guess more directly, ways. did how he felt make you question why she liked you? Did you did um, you ever question whether or not you were a fetish oh, or whether or not it was genuine attraction? 100%. 100%. Okay. Yeah, you definitely would. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, yeah. I shut up. Now, I just had to be and direct why, and get that answer from you because that's something yeah. that's a huge part of this conversation that I don't think enough men answer directly. Do you address whether or not you are a fetish to the people you are dealing with? And does that matter to you? You know what I'm saying? Well, this is how I put that shit to the test. My line of logic was, I'll say I'm done. And I'll be done. Because this on my side, everybody on my side is okay with this. We don't like it's not a problem, it's not an issue. You can come to my crib. Like my mom was cool with it. My my parent, my, my mom was a single mother the same at the time. I can't go to your house. So I'll end it on my end. If this is something that you want, you can step over like to this side or put put your shit at risk. Because my life is at risk right now. 
He says no for you. No to me for you. Are you willing to put your relationship at risk to be with me? Like with your family. And she was willing to do that. And so that's why I believe it was a real thing is because she was willing to put her her standing with her pop. Like, I mean, she was a daddy's girl, but she was willing to put that shit at risk for you for the homie. So I felt like, all right, well, we'll we can we can we just and we just kept it really quiet for like the longest of times. Um, I ever tell you that story, like how that how some things transpired in that relationship? Not quite, but to kind of play devil's advocate. You know what? That's a that's a conversation for a different day. That we could do that as the devil's advocate. Tell tell me more. I feel like you got something on your heart you wanted to say. You said, "Did you ever tell me details?" Go where you go. Go yeah. where you lean. No. Nah, so the way he found out that we were even dating, like it wasn't like a we dated, and folks at school knew about it. But like obviously, like. She she understood how her family felt about people like us, melanated people, and so. But yeah, we, and it was it was back it was it was back at a time where folks we wrote like notes and shit in class, and you know what I mean. <laughs> like you you know you, you took pictures on the Polaroid pictures <laughs> on on a camera that like you had to go get developed. There was evidence. There was evidence. And so, like the evidence was found that this is it's a it's a nigga, <laughs> and that nigga picked her up from school that day because he was military and FBI. And so he found that he found out like her mom shared that information because he found out picked her up from school. They went back to the house. He put all that. He had all the evidence in the back seat. You know, because back in the day, we made CDs and shit. I burned CDs with, like, music and shit. Like, I was a plug for CDs, so I had a bunch of... It was a bunch of... Hold on, don't say that on... Don't say that on wax. We're going to have to reverse that. I was the... Oh, yeah. (laughs) Man, I got CDs from folks, man, in the (laughs) barbershop... I got the address, but I... <laughs> oh, no, I'm going to black that part yeah. out. Let you, do you think? We good. Yeah, I got a yeah, lot of editing uh, to do for them. Long so, story. Yeah. So crazy. Long story short, man, he found the evidence, burned it all in the backyard, had it in the backseat when he picked up from school. He went to the crib, started a bonfire in the backyard with all the evidence, said, you're not going to see that motherfucker ever again. And then came, she came back to school, was like, uh, fuck all that, we... Still mobbing, so we took like a like a hiatus from fucking with each other in public, and like had two friends be the conduit of like the relationship, and then yeah, and then it picked back like it died off once I went to school, and then we picked back up uh, my junior year, junior year of college, so um. But yeah, man, like I up until that point, actually I might have been, I was 17 when that shit jumped off. I was 17, she was 16. 
Renee Jackson. That was my senior year, and that was the first time that I'd ever had like an actual official relationship with somebody that wasn't melanated. I was it just trying to find some more open to uh, anybody who who I felt like had a dope energy, which is the thing that I value the most is folks with a dope energy um, and who are who my they add to my circle and they don't take away from it. Like anybody who tries to keep me away from the people that I care about the most, you can't be around me. Anybody who wants to be a part of that and add to the folks that I kick it with, uh, then I, I'm willing to give you my time. And if I see when people start asking, when those women started asking more of me than I wanted to give of myself, that that's when the relationship ended. Um, but yeah, I don't, I'm not, I'm not on the shit your homie on. It's like, man, you're missing out, blah, 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 blah. You're missing out if you cut yourself off from a woman with dope energy who trying to get that shit to you. I definitely do that. That's what I feel like you're missing out on. I don't think it's a, and I was, I was on some of the same shit on the. You know, I took I some wanna, time off. I, I took some time off from dating all together, G. Yeah. I took some time off from dating all together. I won't say the amount of time because I definitely don't want the day in public to think I don't fair. If you don't use it, you lose it. A nigga still know what he does. You understand what I'm saying? Well, as a nigga who people get wrong all the time thinking you was doing a whole lot of shit you wasn't doing in the first place. <laughs> like, I, I got a lot of money. I'll be school. on some fuckery, bro. Yeah. Like I, I and, the, and that was the funniest shit here. The shit I was actually on don't nobody fucking know. Except for one person somehow. But one I know how they know some of the things they know because they had very terrible undercover operatives. They was very incognito, my nigga. They was out in the open. You understand what I'm saying? Just following the nigga moves. But throughout my life, people have had, I mean, my mama started giving me condoms at the age of 11. And had sex till I was 18. Like, everybody has always assumed I had much more shit happening and going on than was actually going on. You feel what I'm saying? Like, nigga, none of my brothers even had babies young. I don't know why I like I was the nigga who got <laughs> I gotta worry about your little man and shares. I I like for what? Me? And that shit has never escaped me, man. It has never escaped me, man. Motherfuckers always assume I'm up to some shit, cause. And uh it make it hard to get up to some shit. It make it hard to get up to some shit when I do be on some fuckery, man. It ain't never stopped me, though. Yeah. It's, uh... Yeah, trust me. Like I said, I know how people will toss 
they'll project on you and assume. Like we had one person in common that we know, uh, same, came from the same city, or born in the same city, I guess, as Gucci. Uh, and like that dude, had, like he had it all wrong. Yeah. Because it's wickedly wet. But uh, yeah. I hope he's doing good, though. Be, I got good. no feelings about him. None north or south. None. Speaking of making assumptions about a nigga, that nigga there was fake news before fake news was fake news. This nigga was running around reporting everything he heard involving my name. And any bitch he seen me with he found his way up under her. Like, this nigga joined the uh, cheerleading squad. This nigga. And we not even male cheerleader haters at all, but this dude. He joined perpetual motion. Nah, he joined, no, he joined perpetual motion. Yeah. Every bitch I was fucking with, he auditioned for they dance, bruh. I was like, how does he even know, nigga? So I stopped going to any other practices, nigga. I was like, fuck it, nigga. You ain't finna, like... Because you know, I live with that nigga one year, and I was like, nah, I'll never be around this nigga again, man. After seeing how that nigga moved, like... Me, me. was awful. Even beyond that, I felt like because of conversations that were had, I could tell this nigga would try to hear how long I was fucking. Like, weirdo shit, though. Yeah. What? Bruh. Like, when I tell you this nigga was always up under a bitch that I was dealing with, he... It took all the way to senior year before he crossed the boundary that made me hate his ass. And he commented to me about the size of my penis, which made me feel like he had been trying to have a conversation with every bitch I had ever dealt with that he knew about to get information. And once he got the information, he felt comfortable enough to say something to me about it. And when he finally did, it was on some sideways weirdo shit like Man, I'm trying to figure out why these hoes be da 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 Like, trying to figure out why women deal with me the way they deal with me because he was jealous of the energy I get from women. It was the... When I tell... You see the face you making? That's why I said it was the straw that broke that I hate this nigga back. Yeah. And then later in the year, he actually snitched on me to the police for some petty shit. You know what I'm saying? And that was just... Okay, that's who that nigga is. I already hate this nigga. Fuck him. You know what I'm saying? Well, like he had already shown me who he was. It was some some real weirdo shit, bro. Cause you know I come from on some on some on some. If you my partner, shit. 
don't you ever motherfucking come to come to me and say such and such said this and that about you. Why the fuck they feel comfortable saying it to you? And how badly did they beat did you beat their ass after they said it? That's how we grew up. You feel what I'm saying? Yeah. I had I had niggas who dead ass tried to put hits out on me, but were in gangs with people that were in my family and they end up no longer breathing. There's no way to connect the dots, and it's the only reason I'd say something that straightforward at this point. But that's how I grew up. Like, the fuck make you think you can run around saying, I ain't supposed to be here no more? I'm going to make sure you don't repeat that to somebody who's going to do something about it. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So, damn, that, that, that made me lose my train of thought. Boy, I got on some real shit. <laughs> I know it was relating to that fuck shit that Tim was on, but like, like, I think it's said a name. Damn. And <laughs> when you know you in the sauce. <laughs> I really don't fuck with that nigga, Big man. Big <laughs> but I had done, bro. I had when I say I had done been the war for this nigga, and he just did whole shit after whole shit. Like, and I go back and bleep the nigga name, but like, drove this nigga home on Christmas and summer break and shit. Like, get a car, rent it, drive this nigga all the way to Alabama, drive back to motherfucking Tennessee because I'm staying in Tennessee for the summer. Only reason I left was to take this motherfucker home. Like, like, if you in my circle, I love on you, like, with the maximum capacity I have. Because if we're all a part of the same singularity and we're the universe playing a funny joke on itself and reflecting itself back upon itself, whatever the universe gives me as far as energy, blessings, positivity, a skill, a task I can perform, if I can mount a TV, I'm only going to have to do that once at any place I'm moving into or twice, living room, bedroom. Knowing how to mount a TV, useless. If everybody who know me, who need one mounted, who don't know how to do it, don't have me to do it. You see what I'm saying? So if I got the ability to get you home safely, if you in my circle, I'm going to do the shit whether I like you or not. You feel? <laughs> because... The universe gave me the ability to do that. And I get the love on the universe by making sure you get there safely. You feel what I'm saying? As long as they see me as a conduit that it can bless others through, it always makes sure my resources are abundant. So whatever little shit I can give, I'm going to give it, even if it's my last. But that motherfucker made me regret any energy I exchanged with him. Because it never was used to a positive outcome that served anything but him. You feel what I'm saying? So I'm not sure. I'm, like when I watch it back, I'll remember how it connected to the why he feel comfortable to say it to you. But I guess it was when it come to my penis. 
why the fuck was it a topic of conversation between you and somebody I'm fucking? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And if you were hoping it was small and mad that that ain't the information you got, what the fuck make you think I would feel good about you knowing it's not small? What the fuck make you think I want to have that conversation with you? You got to be a sick motherfucker. You know what I'm saying? I think you established it. You the one running around worried about why women respond positively to me. I don't have no confidence issues. I ain't worried about why women deal with a nigga who funky. I just look down on the ones who do deal with you. A few little chicks that dealt with that nigga trying to throw me some pussy, I was like, bitch, I wish I might. You were able to fall asleep next to that. If you could take deep breaths and fall asleep, nigga, my eyes be wide open. I'd be next to that nigga. Burning my nostril. We know what the women look like, and we know what those women come from. And they ain't the most cleanly themselves. So, oh man, I'm you don't do that in the white girl episode. You dangerous. <laughs> you did that shit very misdirected. But you might want to chill. We fucking up this episode. There might be a lost tape. We might. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like this. You shit said good, I died. Though. You said I died. Shit. You, I, I did, told you I went but I ain't no, whoa, say never again, <laughs> say never again. Never again. You said it, okay. We ain't gonna hide this tape then. I ain't bleeping nothing. Should I bleep stuff? We'll talk about it. We might have to end this episode <laughs> together. I'm like, <laughs> you can beat on that shit now. Don't. <laughs> We feel like this the most. You can be the most. Yeah, I will keep the part where I say we ain't delete none and then delete that other part. <laughs> redacted the whole episode. Redacted. <laughs> It did get to a part of. We got to find a way with them. We got to find to see if they got a like a, um, an idiom with head in it that go redacted. This last episode was headstrong, and this was gonna be redacted. It may just say the GSA season one episode eight <laughs> redacted. <laughs> it's redacted. I'm telling you, bro. We're going to have to delete them without the archives. I feel like somebody going to download this shit, screen recorded or something. Be like, oh, no. Ain't no way in hell they think they're going to go accept the NAACP award and have said all this shit. <laughs> oh, oh. Jack has a black bitch won't give you her car to go fuck another bitch. That's why white women better than... Hold on. Ain't nobody said that bullshit. Oh, so what you meant by this? Like, look, we do a podcast where we have conversations 
I don't do interviews about private conversation. <laughs> the fuck I look like? I ain't Donald Sterling. You ain't taking my team because of some shit I said in a in my living room. I got liable insurance. Colorado. <laughs> yeah, it's there. Upstairs from the basement studio in Colorado. Here y'all talking about. Can I give you some headlines? I feel like we need to press the escape valve on this shit, bro. We done got all the way into (laughs) trouble. (laughs) Not to cut you off, but can I give you some headlines? I saved some doozers. You want some doozers or some doozies? Uh, Doozers are doozies. Oh man, this is serious. You want some doozers? Okay, I got some. Se- you you want to know what you dodged before I give you the doozers? I ain't dodging. I ain't dodging this episode. I just want some doozers. This has been a very <laughs> serious episode. Do you want to hear the doozies? <laughs> yeah, I hear the doozies. All right. This is what this is what you didn't choose. Wisconsin teacher accused of sexual assault over illicit relationship with 17-year-old. Naomi Osaka withdraws from French Open. We'll take some time away from tennis. After controversy and fines and threaten of harsher punishment after uh, dodging media obligation. Yeah, so that's what you dodge. I ain't even going to go to the third one. But this is what you get. Jake Paul Man, to fight really, former but, UFC champion Tyrone Woodley in boxing match. Packers GM still stands firm against trading Aaron Rodgers. June 1st, them uh, salary cap implications going to be much different. We'll see if that changed. And uh, yeah, that's tomorrow. Celtics fan arrested after allegedly throwing a water bottle at Kyrie Irving. That one was a tweener because it's funny as fuck, but it's a serious and it's a light story. So that's a deezer yeah. and a doozer. It's a deezer doozer. Yeah. And I wanted to say that. So I had to say that story. That's why the other one didn't have three because that one's a deezer doozer. Kyrie getting the old huck a chuck. That is a uh... flat earth loving there. That's out to the flatter. Um, that Naomi Osaka story was my closing story. So, <laughs> and I saw well, it, the story I think for I see what? It differently. Tell me something good. Ooh, that ain't a deezer. That ain't a deezer. That's a deezer. Oh wow, that is that's that's something good for me. Tease. To me, what a good tease! All right, so Celtics fan arrested after allegedly throwing allegedly. I'm so sick of this shit. They got four K cameras on the sideline. <laughs> right, right. Said, Fuck Jake Paul and Aaron Rodgers. All right. So my man, Kyrie I, can, I can see that. I can see how many hairs Kyrie got in his nose, and I can. And yo, y'all ain't got this. 
Y'all got this man allegedly throwing a water bottle, eh? This camera was rolling at all times. I saw the spit come out of that fan's mouth. And uh, was that Kyrie? Did they spit on Kyrie? They spit on on? Trey Young in the garden. Trey Young. I saw the spit come out. And they cut the clip so you could only see the 11. You could only see his New York Knicks jersey. They cut it like that on purpose. They cut it like that on purpose so you couldn't see his face. But uh, this story is brought to us by People and Apple News Plus. Celtics fan arrested after allegedly throwing a water bottle at Kyrie Irving. We are not animals, reads the headline. It's unfortunate that sports has come to a lot of this kind of crossroad where you're seeing a lot of old ways come up, Kyrie Irving said, to of the seemingly racist behavior. A Boston Celtics fan has been arrested after allegedly throwing a plastic water bottle at Brooklyn Nets star Kyrie Irving during Sunday's game at TD Garden. Following a Nets 141-126 win over Celtics in Game 4 of playoffs, a water bottle was thrown at the team as the team exited the arena via the tunnel for the locker room, barely missing Kyrie Irving's head. Reacting immediately, teammate Tyler Johnson began yelling at the crowd in the direction of the bottle where the bottle was thrown. The The incident was caught on camera. Shortly after, the fan was escorted out of the arena and detained by Boston police. According to ESPN, 21-year-old attendee and Celtics fan Cole Buckley of Braintree, Massachusetts, has been charged with assault and battery with a dangerous weapon in the incident with an arraignment set for Tuesday in Boston Municipal Court. Again, this Thug's name is Cole Buckley of Braintree, Massachusetts. So it ain't just Boston. Braintree, Massachusetts is apparently breeding people who think it's okay to throw water bottles at people's heads from high on positions. That's a justified action. Work. Yeah. Why you are a patron watching them do their job. Um Yeah, yeah. Yeah, man. I, I, uh, I'm glad Kyrie alluded to it because my thoughts about this, I think I tweeted about something that was, because we've seen this happen now, I think three times over the past few days. When uh, he said it, I pictured that meme of that white boy in class where he was like, that was every racist Boston fan. I want to be so racist, but if I prove this nigger correct, then he win. And for yeah. every Boston fan who didn't hurl niggas at him, who didn't yell monkeys at him, who had banana peels ready, do you know how angry they are at Cole Buckley of Braintree, Massachusetts? How dare you ruin it for all of us who held our niggas in? After they whooped our ass and they for sure not coming back because they finna finish up for we got to see a 50-point home win. And they finished whooping our ass, and they not coming back. And that's when you do that dumb shit. For the racist, for the racist white people in Boston who held it in, they, they, they more angry than black people are. 
Because now they can't hide. My bad. I ain't mean to jump in like that, but I had to get that in, G. They can't hide yeah. because of this asshole. They made it all the way to the end without Kyrie being proven true. Kyrie was going to be a bully, and the Brooklyn Nets were going to get to be a a team who didn't really earn it, who didn't really do it the right way, who left their stars into the last minute to pile it on, and da, da, da. and then the nigga threw a bottle at his head. My bad, a cracker threw a bottle at his head. Crazy. Fumbled the bag. They could have bitched for another year, bro. They, uh, yeah, and that's the thing about this shit is that it's always like Danny Ainge coming out and saying, like, oh, man, our fans are racist. And even, like, Kevin Garnett, we gonna let him stomp on Lucky like that? Like, he's disappointed me in so many different ways over the, over the past few years. Like, how his legacy now, he a Boston Celtic. Like, he never he never played in Minnesota at this point. Which, and I understand how they treated Buddy, but Bruh. he's so wack. Him and Paul Pierce, legacy fake as fuck. They blame LeBron for the super team era. Like Boston did form that super team. Boston (laughs) formed that super team after LeBron scored 25 straight to eliminate the Pistons to get to his first finals. To beat up on a 23-year-old LeBron, a nigga who should have just been coming from college. Boston formed that super team and the one fucking championship they won together. The only super team of the modern era to only get one fucking championship is that fucking team. And it took them the most games ever to win a fucking NBA championship. And KG run around talking about he broke LeBron in the series. A nigga who's 6'11", athletic fucking miracle, fucking monster, seven-foot wingspan, wet jumper, Forms a super team with, at the time, one of the best shooters in the fucking universe, Ray Allen. Top three shooter of all time. And then go to the Eastern Conference. Because if it was easy for LeBron, it had to be easy for them, right? They played in the same fucking time, right? And it took them the most games ever to win a championship. Nigga, the, the finals done win seven games a few times. So that means it took them the most games ever to get out of the East, nigga. That conference, y'all say, weak as fuck for LeBron. It took Boston the most games ever to get out of the East. And they run around acting like they legends. That team's slow. They weak as fuck. Look at what Bron did with old Rondo. He had young Rondo in their prime and three Hall of Famers and Doc. Supposed to be good coach Rivers missed the blow of fucking 3-1 lead. Fuck that Boston team and fuck the Boston Celtics and fuck they fans. Not even just the racist ones. I'm a Lakers fan, so fuck y'all on some fan shit. Gang, gang. Yeah. Also, we, we, I'm going to see. I got to see how things pan out for the 76ers, but I, I may have some hold out calling Doc horrible because Doc the Clippers may just be cursed 
<laughs> so how you explain T Mac in Orlando? They... I forgot he was there. Never mind. Doctor stuff. I'm sorry. Yeah. I forgot he was okay. there. Okay. Yeah. He because he went from he went from Orlando to Boston to LA. Now he in Philly. Yeah, that's right. I forgot what that first stop was. Went from T Mac in his prime to the first super team of yeah. this era and only won one championship with them. And then went to the Clippers, had Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan, and Chris Paul. Chris and Paul. They yeah. say never made a conference finals, but say, call it what it is. He never got past the round that the coach who they fired to hire him got to. The coach they fired to hire him got to the second round. So he was not a net yeah. positive um, after adding Chris Paul. They'd have done better keeping the other coach. And the team and the next teams that got Chris Paul were have been very like the Oklahoma City team, he made a whole lot better than him. He got the Suns team that he he's helped get to a second seed. But I've long uh, yeah, since been a fan of – had Chris Paul not went to the Clippers, Blake Griffin would have grew into more of a LeBron type of player because they were leaning yeah. into him being ball dominant and facilitating. Chris Paul coming and dominating the basketball and trying to be like the leader fucked everything up because everybody hated that nigga like, he, like they do most places he go. Yeah. Like – and this is the funny thing. Did you watch that Laker game this weekend? Um, I watched Sunday. I only got to see a small piece of it. No, Bruh, I was toward the, the end of the game, they had like a 16-point lead, and the Lakers started to eat that shit up, and they got down to like nine. Chris Paul came, like Chris Paul stand on the sideline, bitching. And he came back in the game, and they tightened that shit up and closed them out. I promise you that had a negative effect because of how he did that shit. Watch the nigga get blown out in game five, bro. That shit matter, bro. But we don't got to talk about basketball. Races at Boston. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. I'm going to make the point quickly that it may be a notch. The fact that Philly's so fucking good. Is how them boys is healthy and they starting to jail. Like that boy MB, how well he playing, Simmons, how well he playing, and uh my boy Tobias Harris, how well he playing. It may they may be winning this spider dog. <laughs> Which really like I, that boy MB playing out of his mind right now. I'm ignorant to the Sixers because I don't like Man. watching them. So I ain't seen very much of them playing this year. So I only had no criticism. I watched a lot of them last year, but I ain't watched them hoop at all this year because I grew to not like they had last year. They, they, they finally I, I find myself the whole game just wondering why J. Cole ain't been in the sun. Yeah, now how boring cold. the game be. Yeah, I spent the whole game thinking that. I was like, this game boring as fuck. Where J. Cole at? That's, that's what I spent the whole game thinking. Look at this nigga with his head, man. That nigga need to get a tan, man. <laughs> he ran around with that 2001 J. Cole. That, uh, 
Hey, don't you ever fuck up my show with that happy birthday shit. Hey, but had J. Cole not did that, I wouldn't remember the exact day that we went to that show at Vanderbilt. So he cemented that in my mind yeah. forever. Yeah. It was December 4th. Yeah. 2000 motherfucking nine. No, damn, I'm wilding out. 2000. 2005. Oh, look. You no, came back. You wasn't there. Yeah. I was, uh, I came back to visit Shardy. She got us tickets. 2009, 2009. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 2009. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't know why I made it my, I don't know why I made it my, uh, senior year of high school. Those tickets were I'm a birthday. I'm sorry, those, those we were, those were Christmas presents. We gotta delete all the episodes, bro. It's way too much age shit in here. We old as fuck in here. <laughs> Man, fuck all that, bro. <laughs> I know, I just talking Whatever, shit. Yeah. yeah. But uh, I came but, uh, back. Yeah, that was a great show. Great, like show. Hours. Man, I swear, this shit was worth every penny, and it was free. <laughs> That's the show that made me start listening to Wale, and listening to Wale made me stop listening to Wale. And I said, Nah. I just enjoy his live show. I don't like his music. He a good performer. It's that it's that DMV that and it's that DC. It's that go go shit. That I shit literally showed up in the last verse of that, that, that shit. <laughs> Man, that nigga, that nigga went in. That nigga was in the crowd and everything. Without like, look at that motherfucker get it in. Yeah. And you know they don't get him the whole like- arena sound. They just give him like a little bit of speakers to go, so mm-hmm. you get the whole experience as the 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 full guy come on. So with what he, they allowed him to work with, I was like, had he had Jay Z's resources, he might have knocked the nigga face off with that show. But I went to see Childish Gambino live, and his live show made me listen to his music, and I never fucking turned back. You hear me, that motherfucker. I was like, oh, okay. I saw my hangout fest 2014, 15. Man, I had a chick take me on a date to go yeah, see this nigga. Mosh pit, that shit. Because uh, <laughs> she was obsessed with that nigga music. And uh, I was like, look, if, if it's some shit I like, I got you. If it's some shit you like, introduce me to it. She took me to go see Mac Miller. She took me to go see that nigga. She took me to go see Bruno Mars. I was like, God damn. She was like, yeah, yeah. So what do you like again? I was like, all right, I got some trips. I took a, I took a, <laughs> right, this ain't a contest. But anyway, we're going to go do stuff. But anyway, she took me to go see that nigga at the motherfucking tabernacle, nigga. And it was a uh, general admission seat because he wasn't like top, top. So they wasn't capping on the shit. Yeah. But it was like $25 a ticket. And he had just dropped, um, was it? What's the name of that mixtape? It was the one before royalty. It wasn't, it got kids on it, but it's not called kids. Was it band count? Maybe it wasn't band. It might have been just count. It was count. He had Jed Rock count, bruh. And this is how she got me ready for it. She was like, I'm not even going to play you none of the music because you're going to criticize it. And I'm telling you this shit, fire. I'm going to let you, I'm going to let you watch one video because I know you like this type of shit. And I was like, yeah, whatever. She's like, you love Thriller? You're going to like this shit. 
I said, you really gonna make me hate this nigga if the first thing you say is, if you like Thriller, you gonna like this shit. And then she played me the bonfire video and that shit start off. She hit play. And like, you know, I had to project the setup at the time. So this shit showing at 109 inches and that motherfucker comes spread through the woods. Oh, oh, oh. Okay, it's childish Gambino. Homegirl drop it like the NASDAQ. Move white girls like his coat up my ass crack. Move black girls cause man, fuck it. I do either. I love bitches. I love pussy. Nick, I should be running Peter. In Adidas and some short shorts be all over me. Nigga, that nigga started going off. And I'm like, man. And the video for that shit, crazy. If you have not seen the Childish Gambino bonfire video, go watch that motherfucker. Because that shit is bars on top of bars. And the beat is schizophrenic. But so motherfucking structurally sound from the bass and the and the drum pattern structure that shit take you on a ride when you watch the video what the fuck you think he came out to bro first fucking song he played the only oh, one i God. know he had me from the tip it's like they threw the ball up and like everybody in the building but me knew every word of the shit because i had just heard it they knew it was like like it was the back of their motherfucking hand, G. And we at the front. She was like, where you want to sit? We could be in the front. We could be here. I said, let's go to the balcony and let's go to the front. Nigga, we standing in the balcony. So when he is standing in the middle of the stage and look up, we look at him in his eyes. When he dropped that shit, the tabernacle is named that kind of shit used to be a church. So it ain't built for what it be goddamn going on. When I tell you people is in that motherfucker bouncing and we at the front of that bitch, it feel like we on like a trampoline. Like as he's been oh girl dropping like that man that and then he said some shit. He was like, uh he said, I played this for my cousin. Now he can't even think straight. Black and white music, now nigga, that and he dropped the beat. Now nigga, that's a mixtape. And I was like, like, nigga, I was in there losing it because I was 10 sheets to the wind. I had to smoke like seven blunts before we got there. We were drinking heavy. We was in that bit plastered. You hear me? I'm talking about And she she in that bit going hard. I'm here like, okay. This. I'm in that bit like a little chat in the chicken head video. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, this y'all niggas feeling this shit. This shit is that nigga said, I played this for my cousin. Now, he can't even think straight. Black and white music. Now, nigga, that's a mixtape. And when he dropped the beat out in the whole fucking arena, bruh, he had the tabernacle going. He had this shit called uh, You See Me? And it's a dropout where it be like, mm, mm, I'm on my ball in each and every day. Mm, mm. Asian girls everywhere, UCLA. And I hadn't seen this chick the whole motherfucking time. When they get to that part, it's another like beat dropout. And it's a bitch hanging off of the balcony, almost dying. And he looks up and he's like, Asian girls everywhere. And then like, it was like they popped up like Where's Waldo. And I don't know if they hit him with the spotlight or how, but you could see like every Asian in the house at once. And they was losing their shit like he made it for them. 
And then all of a sudden, it's like they were the only people screaming every lyric, but it sounded like the whole building was screaming it with age. And it was like the whole show. I was like, this nigga Pied Piper in this motherfucker. His command over, like, and I was like, I ain't never heard of this nigga. And this where his live show at right now? Right. God damn. I remember his introduction, like, to music. Because he was and a writer I, on 30. That nigga a fool with yeah. it, man. He cold. He cold. They see this nigga he out cold. here singing and doing all this artistic shit, and they don't understand that. <laughs> that nigga... That nigga... That nigga Jamie Foxx, man. You hear me? That nigga is expert level comedy writer stand up comedian vocalist you know what i'm saying actor like now i wouldn't say he as funny as jamie but musically it ain't he got him you know what i'm saying i ain't trying to cause no beef on some stand-up yeah. comedy and being in funny vehicles, Jamie Foxx yeah. is funny as fuck, and he has deprived us of the funny for, like, 15 years. And I just got to respect that he on his yeah. Oscar shit. But Jamie Foxx at the height of funny, I, like, I put him up there on some legend shit. And Chad has got some time. But uh, Donald got some time on the on the comedy shit. But Childish on the music, ain't nobody fucking with dude who on that actor shit. Ain't nobody fucking. The nigga said, uh, every black actor got a rap song. I don't know that. All I know is I'm the best one. That nigga got to laugh for all that shit nigga be talking about him, man. Go listen to his music. He already done addressed your haircut. What are you talking about? Go get addressed, man. I wonder where Paul Pierce at. I think he knew. Bro, he, he didn't want to be on TV while the Nets fucked the Celtics up. He lucky he don't have to. Yo, ain't nobody shared that opinion. Everybody was laughing at Paul Pierce. But isn't he glad he don't have to be on TV responding to what's going on? This ass whooping or this bottle shit. Cause you know Michelle, Beetle, Jalen Rose, hey, the whole crew, they be on his ass right now, cuz. We'll be on his ass. Paul, you ever experienced any racism? Now, I had, and imagine he did the stripper shit and, and then still kept the job. He'd have to navigate this situation while not fucking up. This couldn't be another misstep or he'd get fired for handling another nigga throwing a bottle at Kyrie wrong. Kyrie was asking for it. You know, if he just stands for Boston like he normally do. Yeah. Shout out to Marcus Smart also. What did he do? Being honest. He was being honest. He was honest. He was like, yeah, man, it's hard when people root for you and then they go out and do this to people who look like you. He's like, I know you really, you only fuck with me because I'm here. He's like, you don't fuck with us. And he was... He didn't, it wasn't overt, but he was, he definitely alluded to, yeah, this shit ass. <laughs> yeah, know, this shit ass. You hate me just as much as you hate Kyrie, 
Right. But your love for this green is stronger than your hate for brown. But because that brown ain't in green, you hate it. That right. what it is. Their love for right. this Celtic green like Bill Russell eclipsed won. their hate. Bill Russell won multiple, like double-digit championships for them motherfuckers. MVPs spent his whole career in Boston. People used to break in that man's house and shit in his house, like shit in his bed. I know that like, Boston some Boston. racist crap. Fuck Boston. Including the Celtics, though, because they remember Larry Bird like he the greatest Celtic, like Bill Russell ain't win them three times as many championships. He won them as many as Larry did as a fucking player coach. Fuck the organization. The NBA respect Bill Russell. The NBA respect Bill Russell. The Celtics act like Larry was the greatest because he white. Point blank fucking period. Fuck the Celtics. The team too, but not the players on the team. Right. Fuck the Danny Angels running around saying he never heard a player say that they dealt with racist shit when he got players on his roster that done spoke to it. You ain't listen to nobody. When people respond to something, they tell you much more about themselves than they do the thing they're talking about. When Danny Ainge said, I haven't heard anything, he was being honest. That don't mean his players haven't said it in 20 years. Danny Ainge is telling you he ain't heard this shit. Listen to what he said. Especially when you got recent evidence of his players saying this shit documented and quoted and it's been debated on fucking news shows. Listen to what Danny Ainge said. He's saying he hasn't heard this shit. He ain't saying it hasn't been said by his players. He's saying he hasn't heard this shit. I ain't mean to get like that, but I, I mean that shit. Oh, no. I hate... Listen to what the fuck Danny Ainge said. They're a bunch of dicks. Don't let them run from having said that shit, neither. What I meant was... No, you meant exactly what the fuck you said. And you love that your current star, if you have to choose between the two you got on the max right now, is light-skinned as fuck. And Jason Tatum gonna have to answer... Cause ain't no passing when it come to this shit. You know what I mean? You gonna have the answer. Do you got a problem with Danny Ainge acting like he don't see all this racist shit going on? And acting like he don't hear y'all when y'all speak up on it. And why you the only one who ain't said something that's quotable? You trying to get a shoe contract? You want to wait till you get that deal? When the JT1 dropped, that's when I really kicked my activism shit off. When I got that 10-year contract and I understand the language in it as far as disparaging remarks. We never get no comments because (laughs) he going to KG that shit the fuck up. Be, can, I be, can I be straightforward with you? Yeah. One of the segments that was on my list of things was a mass debaters on athletes speaking on issues. And my stance was going to be on support that shit. 
Shut up and fucking dribble. <laughs> How do you feel about that? You support all this athlete activism? No. No. Bro, can I go on a small little spiel? Do you think? And I, drop yeah. drop this shit into any other motherfucking sphere, bro. I'm sick of this shit. Drop this shit into any other motherfucking sphere, man. I'm sick of them acting like they doing something positive of this shit cool. First and foremost, for these athlete niggas. Y'all went to school with athletes. These the niggas y'all want carrying the motherfucking movement. And this is from a nigga who played football. I don't give a fuck. I know y'all niggas better than the people who have misconceived perceptions of you niggas. And I'm saying shut the fuck up. You can think whatever you want to. Y'all are some of the most skilled, athletic, amazing fucking creatures on the motherfucking planet. Y'all are hugely motherfucking special and unique. But guess what? You get paid what you get paid because you are entertaining and people want to see all of this amazing athleticism and poetry and motherfucking art. That's why you get paid what you get paid because people are attracted to that and they want to see that and people are going to watch it and they're going to be glued to their TV and not move and they're going to be able to sell people shit for a minute and a half in between showing you doing amazing shit. So fuck this lie that sports exist to go win championships. It's all a myth and a dance. It's how they write the story. It's to create a narrative. It's so that there is a point. Sports exist for fucking entertainment. Period. If it wasn't entertaining, if it wasn't entertainment, y'all would if it wasn't entertaining, y'all wouldn't do the shit. If they couldn't get people to watch y'all do it, they wouldn't pay you to do the shit. When you put it in the proper sphere and stop separating sports and making it this fucking altar, I'd be goddamned if I came to a motherfucking movie and in the previews, you're going to hit me with some political shit. Not before I watch Step Brothers. If you don't get this bullshit off my motherfucking screen, I wish you would ruin my motherfucking mood before I sit down and watch a comedy. And LeBron, I don't never gamble. I don't never gamble. The one time I gamble in a decade and I lose $20 on your bitch ass, you better shut the fuck up after the game and talk to me about how you gonna win me that shit back because I went double or nothing, bitch. I want to hear basketball shit after the game. Just like after I watch a motherfucking comedy, I want to laugh at the funniest jokes walking out. I want 300 people to be going, all right, all right, all right, walking out of the goddamn Kevin Hart special. Imagine if right after the Kevin Hart special, he come on that bitch talking about vaccines. You'd be like, what the fuck this nigga on, man? Get this shit the fuck up out of here. You exist for entertainment. And you telling me I got to digest political bullshit with watching niggas hoop. Imagine if you went to the park to hoop and in between each game, it no offense, 
but the only people I can see doing this in the black community and wouldn't get their ass beat because they could beat everybody ass would be the brothers from the nation. They could they they would control the court if they chose to. But imagine they giving a sermon in between each game and educating you on your history. And you got to listen to 15 minutes of that shit in between every basketball game. You'd hoop at a different part, bro. Cause they'll beat your ass. And you either go get that sermon or you got to go. That's what they making this NBA shit. I'm sick of hearing about that shit every time I want to watch niggas hoop. I'm sick of that shit, bro. If there was a channel for listening to people talk about it, nobody would ever fucking watch it. And to say that's why we need to talk about it during sports is to say you are going to use the NBA's platform that they have spent a hundred fucking years building. I just made up how long, but they don't spend however many years building their platform. And you saying we are going to use your platform to push our agenda. And that's okay. All right. Anybody listening to this, Tell me you could do that bullshit at work. Tell me you could go into work and talk politics without getting fucking fired. Let's take it to Kaepernick. Tell me you could go into work and as soon as you was getting ready to do the money-making activity, meaning it's only 16 of these a year if you don't make the playoffs, If you a cook, it's three motherfucking meals, breakfast, lunch, dinner. As soon as the dinner rush hit, you take a knee for police brutality. You ain't cooking shit. And you just want people to hear you out. Oh, somebody throw some hot grease on your ass if I'm sitting out there hungry as fuck. You feel what I'm saying, bro? I think we dislike it for different reasons. <laughs> but I ain't know that rant was gonna be that long, but I was madder than I thought <laughs> I was. I really am sick of hearing that shit. I didn't think I was that sick of how you feel, G. You got the flow. No, I uh I dislike it because like I don't really see what it's going to accomplish, especially with the NBA. Like the only group of people, the only groups of people uh that actually move the needle on making change happen because like i just feel like this shit is lip service for the nba and i feel like the we the nba and like the nfl i feel like they all sit in the room whenever these players i feel like somebody talked some sense into the nfl or the nba was like hey we can we, we can make this work to our benefit like them putting equality on the back of jerseys or we are all one as a people like what the fuck is that going to do it's a bunch of empty gestures and like Brian them all at the front of that shit. And all you are is the poster child for them to say that this is when they making a fucking effort to change shit when they're not doing anything. Now, when you get to the WNBA or when you get to women's soccer, like those women actually do shit in the fucking community and they move the needle. And there are the individuals that do shit like Russell Westbrook, uh, John Wall, um, Boogie Cousins, like those cats are act, actually active in the fucking community. Kyrie Irving, he, he coming out of his pocket and saying like, nah, equality, it, saying you want equality is one thing, 
actually put money in the pockets of people who have worked just as hard to be professionals at what they do, who get paid vastly less than we do. That is action, real fucking action. Like there are cats in the NBA who actually move on that shit. I think a lot of the cats who, and I love Braun. I don't think that niggas, nah. I don't want to shut the fuck up and dribble. The women in the NBA, in the WNBA, and the women who play soccer, who are pushing for actual fucking equity, not, and it ain't even equality. This shit is equity, and there's a difference in equity and equality. And and so watching how the women move, and which is why I believe part of their platform is not ever going to be as big as it should be, is because it's like uh. We put them on TV. They actually doing real shit. <laughs> These niggas in the NBA, they just talk about it, and they want to be the they want to be the figureheads of this shit. And they gonna shake hands with the right motherfuckers and kiss babies, and they gonna put these empty words on the back of their jerseys. Like these women actually put bullet holes in their motherfucking jerseys and warm ups to show you how many times a young man got shot. That gets real attention. These niggas is just doing this shit. These niggas in like, and I, I believe Cap really, he sacrificed himself for the greater good. And I believe he, he, all his intentions and all his work since then has been actual real work. But it's a lot of cats who are just doing that shit so they can be seen as, but we know them niggas not a part of our motherfuckers. They're not a part of the community. They're not trying to move the needle on gaining this equity. They're not doing anything to try to help anybody but them fucking selves, man. But they want to be seen as that nigga who's doing this shit. And so shut the fuck up and dribble. Like, if you're not actually, and that's the thing, is it, it gets more in the way. Right. You're, taking the, you're taking more attention away from the actual movement than you are in game. Because you're not starting no real conversations. Like, you're not sitting down. That's as long cool. as you're asking, I think you're dribbling that motherfucking basketball. Like, if you stop, if all y'all motherfuckers stop stop playing ball, that would create change because they would because it would fuck up motherfuckers' pockets. When y'all was I in that bubble, y'all threatened. I support everything they do. I support their right to say everything they saying. I'm saying I don't want to hear that shit when what I click on on my TV is Suns versus Lakers. Go on the CNN. Go on the goddamn MSNBC. Go on the Fox News. Go talk to people who have different views than you. And have these conversations in front of people who ain't watching these motherfucking basketball games. Them the people who need to hear this shit instead of preaching to the motherfucking quiet. With that motherfucking shit off of Suns versus Lakers. Get that shit off of Nets versus Celtics. You feel what I'm saying? When, when Shaq could be tripping over a TV cable and I could be laughing for an hour and a half. I don't want to hear that shit. You know what I'm saying? That ain't why the fuck I watch that studio show, even though they are equipped to handle these type of things. I don't want them to have to. And if the players don't make it the central focus, like, you make this shit synonymous with basketball in about a year and a half, you know what? When LeBron put the sneakers up, y'all keep this shit. I refuse to miss the end of this story. But y'all keep their fuck shit up. Y'all keep their whole shit. Y'all won't get a dollar of my money. 
And shout out to Bron. I wasn't trying to hate on you, bro. Like we, I'm, I'm a huge fan. <laughs> no, I referenced him specifically because I am yeah. a LeBron fucking fanatic by definitions, yeah. like fan fan. And I, and he can shut the hell up too. Likewise, during yeah. game right. shit, I don't want to hear that shit after the game, bro. I get sick of watching niggas who just exerted themselves to exhaustion try to figure out how to talk without giving people a sound bite where they can make them seem ignorant and and make sure they don't step on their words. Man, it physically exhausted. You wouldn't in any situation have a nigga run for two and a half, three hours and then speak on the state of his people. You are not in the best position to do it after playing a fucking basketball game. There are countless reasons why it is a better fucking time and place for that shit. But the best reason is that ain't what the fuck I paid for if I came to the game. And it ain't what the fuck I came to watch if I clicked on this TV show. Don't say post-game show. Say fucking CSI policy tonight with LeBron James and talk about actual policies that need to be enacted. You know what I'm saying? I think that shit is lazy fucking journalism too because these motherfuckers push this mic in front of their face. Yeah. Like, and that's why, like, I, and I'm I'm critical of the players, but these, they only answer the questions that they ask. And they, like, don't Did show up my fucking Did I read that other headline, bro? If the Naomi Osaka joint. Nah, bro. It fit the narrative of what we talking about, bro. LeBron James agent Rich Paul says white American athletes don't want a black agent. This man is managing the most money as far as players in the NBA. And they put LeBron James agent Rich Paul. They could have put owner of clutch sports agency Rich Paul. You feel what I'm saying? That yeah. shit's some lame shit, bro. They be trying to undercut niggas, though. Oh, 100%. They know I'd be like, it's, it's he, you know what they trying to do by saying that white American athletes don't want a black agent. They trying to make it seem like we pushing the narrative to justify them pushing the narrative. Basically, what I'm saying when I say that is Rich Paul terrifies them that they aren't going to be able to continue to take 15% of every black person's career that comes through the NBA and therefore amass more wealth than the individual black players that come through because they are managing 15 players at 15%, which equals more than 100% if you do the math of a max contract. They want that wealth circulating outside of our community. And Rich Paul scares them because it may inspire black players who make up a much larger percentage of the league to only go with their own. So that is what women use very often, which men will understand. It's a term called gaslighting. They want to demonize the notion of white players only wanting white agents to make sure black people don't get in in their head that they should have an agent who looks like them. That shit very underhanded and fucked up. They're using the fuck out of Rich Paul and LeBron James oh, on an everyday basis to do all kind of fuck shit. 100%. 100%.
because you saw when Andy got a reason why they took the quote out of context. Long story. The reason why Bronze, the reason why Bronze, D Wade, and Bosch's super team is different, and like these super teams that Bron has inspired is because Danny Ainge was the person who was behind the KG. It was the organization that was behind that shit. It's fine when the organization can put this shit together. But when y'all get together, D-Wade, Bosch, and Braun got together and had a dinner and decided we're going to do this shit together because we all hitting free agency. And now it's sparked. I think there was, there was an article earlier about some un, unnamed GM. An unnamed GM come out and said all the players have all the leverage nowadays. And if you believe this is the worst time in, in NBA history because all of the players have all the leverage. And that's their problem. In every situation. And that's their problem. But when you are the fucking talent. Danny Ainge's super team was formed by a former Boston front office person gifting him KG in a trade that fucked Minnesota for the next decade. They still fucking suck. So they fleeced Minnesota with a former Boston front office guy doing some sneaky shit to get Danny Ainge KG through that little shit. And they demonized LeBron and them because of one of the key words in what you said. They established their super team on their own through free agency. He had players getting to their free agency years. They stopped signing extensions with teams and giving away their freedom. He said, freedom. He said it's these one-year contracts are what it is wonderful. It is beautiful. It is beautiful. Why Leonard is 29. People think he signed a one and one, a two plus one with the Clippers because he's going to sneak out of LA and really wants to test free agency. Now, maybe he want to turn 30 and be eligible for one of them Chris Paul super max contracts. That nigga smart, bro. He just don't telegraph his moves. You feel what I'm saying? He understand exactly what the fuck is happening. And he know how old he is. And he know if he sign a four year super max, he can get another one at 34 that he will not be worth at 38. So why sign a five-year contract at 28 and only be able to get one of them at 33? Why would he do that and not be able to put pressure on them to make sure they surround him with talent? Because if they don't do it this year, in order to sign that four-year, they're going to have to get Paul George and some pieces to fuck up out of you see what I'm saying? Quiet Leonard's yeah. smart as fuck. He a dirtbag for doing the Lakers like he did. But he's smart as fuck, man, and I commend him. But I, I believe wholeheartedly the Supermax is why Kawhi signed this 2-1-1. And Paul George signed his early because he saw his reputation taking the hit and thought he may not be able to get it. So the Clippers for security locked him up and to have that trade asset. And him, because he saw that bag drifting away, he went ahead and grabbed it before it did. Because getting ready to build a new arena, they had to make sure they had at least one star to put asses in the seats. But I, I definitely don't believe Balmer believe in his roster. 
Why would he? But yeah, sorry to say that, bro. But yeah. that was the big thing. Freedom is what he don't like. No, no, of course they don't. No, they don't. Having they want to be able to control. Like these are, I mean, imagine that somebody you draft who amasses wealth will get to a point in his life where he says, "I want to choose where I live and who I work with." Yeah. I should be in control. Yeah, that's Because uh, players often shift once they get to after, after their first extension. Carmelo, it was after seven years. LeBron after seven years. KD after like nine or ten. Like, so you telling me a nigga get to 30 years old, $100 million and think, you know what? California instead of Oklahoma. A back-to-back MVP, a great fucking shooter in clay, a defensive player of the year in Draymond. Yeah, yeah. Those are good co-workers to have if I'm at a basketball company. In California, that's a hell of a state to live in. You say Silicon Valley right there? Yeah, 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 yeah. I like playing with investments. I got a lot of money to play with. Yeah, yeah. Oklahoma, California. Oklahoma, California. How dare KD? But you, what did you say earlier? Anonymous said, GM says this is a bad thing. 30-year-old worth $150 million chooses to live in California instead of Oklahoma. Fuck you. That nigga got drafted and had to go to Seattle. And then that nigga had to move to Oklahoma. And, that's, and, and he had and no say they in legalized it. weed in Washington. No fucking say in it. Then you no draft sense. Russell Westbrook and give him the franchise. Then you draft James Harden. Three MVP caliber players back to back to back and you let him go for a $4 million luxury tax hit and the salary cap expanded each of the next four years and they would not have been outside of the salary cap but one of those years, bruh. James Harden got released for a four-year, $80 million contract. Do you know how crazy that shit sound at this point in the NBA? Chris Paul getting $80 million over the next two years. He's still under contract for two years, $80 million. And James Harden got sent out of OKC. The OKC Big Three were broken up by Sam Presti over a four-year $80 million contract for James fucking Harden, who just went you to the Brooklyn Nets and you carried them. Job. You understand me, bro? And the NBA got the nerve to have anonymous GMs bitching that the GMs losing control. Look at what y'all stupid ass up to. If James Harden as a free agent could determine where he was, he'd have been right there with fucking Russ and KD. But your stupid uh... ass was in control. So he in Houston with Dwight Howard and Chris Paul's stupid ass and Trevor Ariza. You think he wouldn't have chose to stay with Russ and KD, even if it was in Oklahoma? They was motherfucking ranch and a thousand island in the middle of nowhere. They was in that motherfucker dressing. You hear me? They found a way to find and make it entertaining. Him and Russ would compete, and they found a way to make that shit dope. 
and the brotherhood and the love is what drove him. That nigga, a MVP caliber player who went to Houston and said, you know what, I'm going to lead the league in scoring. Mike D'Antoni, they said, he's going to average 14 assists a game. He said, coach be tripping. And then he went and did the shit, led the league in assists. A player who can literally be whatever the fuck he want to on the court was coming off the bench for you and was showing all of his teeth and simply growing his beard. Not a bad word to say. The only thing that man said is what you will not do is under fucking pay me. I don't care what role I have to play on the court, but what the fuck you not going to do is underpay me. And Sam Presti said, bye-bye. And they lose a control and running around anonymously bitching about it. At least when the players make a move with their control, they have to stand behind what the fuck they do. Yeah, They may lie about it beforehand so they don't telegraph the move so that y'all can't block the shit. But once they make the move, they have to stand behind their name. Y'all run around doing their whole shit and then bitch about it. Nigga, Russell Westbrook run around with the stigma of he can't win the big one instead of Sam Preston having the blame of fucking up a dynasty. The OKC Thunder four years before motherfucking James Harden get traded is the first year he there, they get beat by the fucking Dirk Nowitzki team that swept the back-to-back champion Lakers and then went on to beat the Miami Super team in the first year. The second year they all together, them niggas made the fucking finals. They was like, they was 24, 23, year, and 22. The third year, like they ran into the Spurs that blew the heat off the floor by a record floor, margin. Yeah. They blew the heat off the floor by a record margin. They smashed the super team. And then Sam Presti said, yeah, now nah, this ain't going to be enough. What the fuck was he looking at? He wasn't good at his job. I'm convinced he was not good at his job. If you're making those types of decisions, I'm convinced you had nothing to do with it, actually. You were the GM in name. Nobody who... And only lower-level players have complained and forced trades. The two big dogs, KD, LeBron. I said that backwards. LeBron, KD... It's a nigga who gonna hit us and say, nah, you said it right the first time. Fuck y'all Brooklyn niggas. And I love talking basketball. Feel free to talk shit at Gimme, G-I-M-M-E, some S-O-M-E, H-E-A-D. I don't know why I said it like this. Gimme some head, G-I-M-M-E, H-E-A-D, underscore S on Twitter. Gimme some head, underscore S. Gimme some headlines. And uh, feel free to start the conversation there. Give me some questions at gmail.com. Spell just like the Twitter. But uh, they are, they play their contract out. They have never demanded a trade. They play their contract out, do their full commitment to the city, and then they make their choice as a free agent. And they always tilt the power of the NBA. So for the other niggas who's scrambling, trying to go beat LeBron and KD, they never end up mattering. As much clout as they want to give Golden State, that 72 and fucking 
10 team was down 3-1 to Russ and KD. If he don't leave OKC, they beat them niggas the next year. I'm fully confident in that. Because that team had just crumbled against the Cavs. There's no way they come back solid the next year without KD. They lose Harrison Barnes because they ain't going to max him out. You know what I'm saying? Instead of trading him, they just lose him because he leaves to some someone who's going to overpay him. Dallas, the team that did. You feel me? That team ain't the same if he don't go. They lose their role player. Draymond suck like he do as he – like his, his offense slowly deteriorate, but his defense stay the same. Players sin, but they don't give him the role he should. Like, all he had to do was stay in OKC. But, like I said, he chose to work with people he could actually have a good time with, people he thought were his friends until they showed their true colors in Draymond. You feel what I'm saying? Yeah. But we never get there if Sam Presti is good at his job. Period. We we never get to that point if Sam Presti is actually good at his job. At the point? At the point that they had all three of them, KD was on that. I don't know about this, the decision shit. He was signing his extensions in a gym that he was practicing in and going back to work. That's how he was moving when he had Russ and Harden. The moment he traded Harden, he lost KD. He traded Harden and gave the team to Russ. KD was like, I'm out this motherfucker. And that's the thing, bro, is I think you mentioned it earlier. It's like, who wants to have, I worked for this shit my entire life. Now I got some motherfucker who making terrible decisions controlling my fucking career. Why would I not take control of my own shit? Y'all, like, I'm being, and and this is what we need to start doing because because of the platform, hopefully, not even hopefully, our platform is going to grow and we need to spend our time being the writers that we are, making sure people understand, like, the entirety of this shit because journalists spend all their time spinning shit to make the players look bad. We never, well, they never make the organizations look bad because they fear the organizations. We are not bound by that shit. Ain't nobody paying us that we gotta suck they we gotta suck they fucking ass cheeks. And so we represent, we can represent the players and we can Straight represent up. the honest fucking truth and give them like Sam Preston, you fucking terrible at your job, G. And I don't, I'm not even convinced anymore that you were responsible for the KD pick, for the Harden pick, for the for the uh Russ pick. Somebody else had to be responsible for that because there's a lot of coaches sitting on them benches yes. that are that is because they ain't hit on the draft in a long time since whoever was responsible Except for Shai that Gilgis, shit. But Shai Gilgis got a was job acquired somewhere. from somewhere else, from somewhere else. And that's the thing, bro. Beyond that, these young men spend their entire lives cultivating a skill that makes them. One of 360. It's 30 teams or 32? It's 30 teams. And it's 360. On a team. It's 15? I thought it was 12. 
it's, it's 12, but they carried three people. I think they, they carried three additional Oh, I ain't counting like, the mother niggas. I'm only counting the 12 that yeah. be sitting in it. <laughs> 360 Them 360 niggas. Do they have, have this job. And they only have this shit for a limited amount of time. The most disgusting part about this conversation around player empowerment is the only people they mad that they can't control is the top tier talent. They mad Giannis ain't gonna sit in fucking Milwaukee for 20 years. They not mad that George Hill done had to move all over this fucking country. They not mad that when Pop didn't like how the Kawhi Leonard situation was going, that he sent him to fucking Toronto when he from Southern California. You understand me? That shit was okay. That man got children and a wife, and he sent that nigga to Toronto. You know goddamn well he didn't force it family to go deal with that shit. You understand me? Right. It caused right. estrangement. That shit, like all that fuck shit okay. To be able to trade a nigga in the middle of the season and his kids either be without daddy or have to leave school in the middle of the year and start a new school and, ha- and meet new friends and all that shit. All that shit, fine. But a player who is the top of the league playing out his contract and then his son wanting to play for a prep school in California, him having a media company, him loving the Lakers franchise, him wanting to win a championship in that uniform and it being a dream to be a Laker, just like it was a dream to win one for the hometown team. He did that shit. It's fuck. It's a problem that he can go reshape the whole motherfucking league and go make a move and go out there. Fuck y'all. Fuck y'all, because he done made the NBA billions. Fuck you if you think it's a problem that he could choose the city he live in and the color shirt he wear, why he do it. Y'all some bitches. When y'all pooling the money and splitting it, y'all some bitches if y'all got a problem with the best people who do this shit choosing what city they live in. Y'all can suck a dick. Fucking bitch, man. gifted with all the power, y'all be fucking sucking. With the girl. same shit. <laughs> nah, they sucking with the, the power. Dad, they they stink. suck. Yeah, with the power, they stink. Bro, dead I mean, ass. If, if, if they if they had the ability, years, they would do the fucking same thing. Over the past twenty years, Kobe, LeBron, Steph Curry, or Tim Duncan been in almost every single finals. I think it's one that don't apply. Yeah. So yep. that means all of the motherfucking GMs who didn't have one of them four players been failing for 20 years. Because y'all weren't in the finals, let alone winning the shit. If you didn't have LeBron, Kobe, Tim Duncan, or Steph, you wasn't in the motherfucking finals. From 2000 to 2021. So fuck y'all if y'all got a problem with losing some goddamn power. Because Russ not having power got him on the fucking Wizards. Harden having some power got him on the fucking Nets with Kyrie and KD. They got their free agency years went up there. He wouldn't say, I ain't going to describe what he had to do to get his power. 
but he had to act as if he had lost his powers to get his power. To get leverage and get the fuck up out of there. But look at what they built with their power. Yeah. And that's what I was about to say. It looked like they need to be a transfer of power. Because you've listed five it, players in 21 fucking years that have all been in the fucking finals. See, like, them niggas need to be GMM teams. <laughs> and think about it like this. They mad that one of them four niggas exerted his power. Tim Duncan stayed quiet, did his job, didn't do shit. Toby got loud once when they was motherfucking bullshitting and needed to make a move, and they made a move and he chilled out. Only and one he time he got, he got two more shots. Exactly. <laughs> he was like, y'all ain't finna waste my motherfucking prime, man. Get me some motherfucking help. Or get me the fuck out of here. It wasn't a real trade request. It was uh it was an ultimatum. Uh Steph. Steph still. Because he had weak ankles early, they got him on a bullshit contract and have been underpaying him for most of his goddamn time there. And now that they finally paying him what he worth, he's stuck there and they want him to sign an extension. I pray he don't do it. Because if they not fucking him on his extension, they only had the money to go get KD. You feel what I'm saying? Yeah. So the one player in the list who has that type of shift of balance of power is LeBron. And the way he exerted his power was playing his contract out and then going to where he wanted to be. For people who don't understand how the country actually works, three times. For people who don't understand exactly how the country actually works, Ohio right the fuck above Florida, cuz. That nigga got on one highway and went straight the fuck down the street to kick it with his brother. A nigga who didn't get to go to college moved to Miami for four years. Think about that. Everybody mad as fuck that a nigga who didn't get to go to college moved to Miami for four years when he was 25. Wouldn't you love to have moved to Miami at 25 with $200 million to live with your homeboy and just smack niggas up nonstop for four years? And get an education from one of the greatest to do it, and Pat Riley. Somebody you know who played the game, somebody who was a part of teams that actually won championships multiple times with the Lakers, and he did it with D-Wade. He was the he was the he was the uh, player operations guy during that Shaq D Wade run, right? Was that Pat Riley? Yeah, that was Pat Riley. He was the GM at the time, and he had Stan Van Gundy GM. as the coach. And after that's right. Not getting it done, he stepped down and intervened, and then the second year took him and, and and did it, and then he stepped away after that second time. After after doing it, he stepped back into the GM role full time after the '06 finals. Yeah, yep. So so uh, '0405, Stan Van Gundy was there, and Shaq hated him because he constantly called him fat and kept him accountable and had a problem with him not playing defense with all that beautiful footwork and amazing athleticism. There's no way you could feel somebody touch your hip 
and know exactly how to spin and apply pressure and leverage to be able to boom on them and not be able to watch a motherfucking hips and slide your feet. And Stan Van Gundy just wasn't having it. And Shaq hated him for it. He's like, you ain't gonna talk to me like that, bitch. What have you won? You know what I'm saying? I, w- I know how to win championships. Don't tell me how to win championships. That's the shit he was on. I'm telling you how to win championships by getting the fuck out of my face. That's me projecting, but that's how I imagine the conversation going just much slower. How many rings, Chuck? How many would I shack and D-Way carrying your fat ass? That's our way to respond. Yeah. D-Way did a lot of heavy lifting of that. I remember that series. That, that flashes out his mind. He he said percent on finals MVPs, man. <laughs> and he had a sweep year where he won uh scoring t- scoring champ. MVP, All-Star MVP, Finals MVP. It ain't too many people who got that sweet. I still feel like Steve Nash stole Kobe two MVPs because of that Colorado shit. Because it's all about the narrative. And the narrative for the NBA MVP couldn't be, man, that nigga came fresh out of court and dropped 42 on the goddamn Boston Celtics. That couldn't be the narrative for the NBA MVP. What he was in court for? Hey, man, hey, whoa, that ain't the point. He he hopped off a flight, took off slacks, put on basketball shorts, and dropped 42. That's all you need to focus on. That fucked up, man. But fuck Steve Nash, man. Yeah. That's just how I feel, man. And not for any other reason. (laughs) Not for any other reason that he was a great basketball player. And them Suns teams used to scare the fuck out of me when they played the Lakers. I don't actually Lamar, have him and Lamar, but them boys was oh, yeah. beautiful music. It was Raja. The watch you wanted to root for take you down. Yeah. He used to What's get Raja? Kobe What's that Raja guy name? That boy was bad. You can Raja Raja He Bell. used to get in Kobe's. Kobe would have games. Sean Mary would frustrate him, bro. Watching that nigga <sighs> shoot free throws, bro. That shit. I'd be like, wow. Every time. Every Shooting time. Shooting a three. That shit was so flippy. But they went in, it would drop straight through. I used through. to, I used to hate that watching them to fly. see if they was really good or they just was good when they played us. And them niggas was good, man. So I, I yeah. slick low-key just be hating on that nigga because they gave my Lakers fits. And when we finally Steve got it, that bitch stole $30 million from us. That nigga had two back injuries and sat out both seasons we had him. He was done. He came and stole 30 million, bro. I would have too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you have yeah. to steal 30 million. Yeah. <laughs> but I'd be damned if he comes steal 30 million and then take a championship from us this year. 
I hope he choking get the blame, make some gaffes, cause some beef, not be able to settle some some tension or something. Blame it on Amari. Ain't Amari on the bench? He added Amari, didn't he? I think he did. Yeah. They 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 did it wrong. They let that nigga hire your friends. The Lakers hired his replacement if he ain't do the job. They put Jay Kidd next to Frank Vogel. Go on, fuck it up. We get your ass out of here, dish you. You think we'll miss that little forty million that's on your contract? We the Lakers. Go on, fuck it up, Frank. He had to win last year because this year is his grace period. Yeah, all right, all right. We'll give you another year to see if you bring it back. And that's Y'all the be- thing about Braun, bro. If he keep proving, give me whoever. I'll take that coach to the finals. He took Mike Brown to the finals. He took Spolster. Now, Spolster's a good coach. I think Spolster's the best coach he had. He the only coach who kept his job post-LeBron, so I think he a Hall of Famer. Yeah. He the only coach who's made the finals without LeBron. Without LeBron. We'll see what Ty Lue do, because he the only one who's had a roster that should. Eric did it with a roster that should not have yeah. and beat the league MVP. Eric Spolster, a Hall of Fame. All he got to do is yeah. get the wins. He got two championships. It's niggas in there who don't have two with just a sexy resume who finally won one. They better respect yeah. East Spolster. That nigga there. Oh, yeah. boy. Because had he had had he had Bosch after LeBron left, the Cavs would have had to see them niggas. Had they had Bosch Rodgers and Wade with the young crew that they, man, they'd have had to see them niggas. They'd have beat them, but they'd have had to see them. Yeah, they'd definitely had to see them. And he'd have had the blueprint to take them down. So if anybody could have pushed them, it would have been them. And then he got, yeah, Tyler, and now he got Frank Vogel. Frank Vogel, I think, is the best coach he had day one of the job. He made terrible personnel decisions. (laughs) But see, the thing about Frank Vogel is the only reason Frank Vogel don't have a championship is LeBron. It's because of LeBron. Because he was on the Indiana squads. That was them. That was them. Exactly. He took the super team Heat to seven with Roy Hibbert and Paul George as his best players. David West was averaging 13, 14 points. Roy Hibbert was getting like 20 and 13, and Paul George was like 26, 7, and 8. And that was a defensive-minded team. Larry Bird couldn't make the Pacers consistently successful. And Frank Vogel had them going head-to-head with the Heat in the Eastern Conference Finals, bruh. Yeah. I know damn well they could have beat that young OKC team. Paul George before the leg break. And that's part of what I don't like with all the people beat. That's why you don't hear me shitting on Paul George very much. Because people forget that he a top 10 player right now with an injury that made Gordon Haywood irrelevant. Imagine if Kyrie had done to Boston what Gordon Haywood did. Come there, sign a max four-year deal, get injured the first game, and then never live up to the contract. 
imagine what they say about Kyrie then if he wasn't traded there against his will and then didn't resign. Oh, Kyrie terrible. Man, fuck y'all. I was there yeah, for that Paul George injury. Remember that? I was there. Yeah. I was actually in I was in the building for that shit. Yeah. That shit was in Las Vegas during that damn game. They stopped the fucking game. Like that shit Why was crazy. They? Why wouldn't yeah. <laughs> yeah. We knew that was coming. That bitch was silent as a crypt. That moment. That bitch was silent as a crypt. That nigga Paul broke his leg, George bro. Is a top ten player after what injury? ESPN wouldn't replay. Wouldn't, wouldn't replay. It happened in a world competition, and they wouldn't replay it. It, it was the NBA either, game. Bro. It was a it was an inter squad game. It was a USA Olympic team in a squad guy. It was a practice. It was. It was a fucking practice. It was an inner squad game. And it was, I remember man. that nigga get hurt. And I remember remember that kid that got hurt in Louisville, kind of as a compound fracture, kind of the same way. Yeah. And you just see everybody start running. Because he reached out. You can to hear him. that shit. Okay, he we was in, out to him, man. We was in the fucking raft. He reached out to Gordon Haywood after his injury, too. I think so. And that's what I mean. People talk about this man struggling with different stuff and mental issues. And because I, I respect it for obvious reasons, I'll never make fun of a nigga who struggled with depression or anything like that. But, um, oh, I didn't know he struggled with depression, but I'm not even, I only want to put that on him, but I'm going to say mental health issues. Uh, I didn't know he struggled with mental health issues. Yeah, like he said he was going through different stuff in the bubble, you know what I'm saying, being away from his family for extended periods of time. You know, he had a fiance, like his support system was ripped away from him right after he made a huge leap and had the most pressure of his entire career on him, you know what I'm saying? Okay. Uh, So it kind of mounted and shit. But said all that to say, literally, what he has to bear on his shoulders after having both of them motherfuckers reconstructed after that leg injury is how motherfucking nice he is. Do you understand that if this nigga never have that leg injury or those shoulder injuries, he is still the nigga that LeBron have to go through to get to the championship in a league where niggas is running out of the conference. Paul George stood right there and took the super team heat to seven with David West and Rory Hibbert. That man deserve our fucking respect. And after two shoulder surgeries, he's still that nigga, even if he falls short sometimes. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. These are injuries and plot points in niggas' story that make niggas go, think of what Greg Oden could have been. Think of what Brandon Roy could have been. Think of what Derrick Rose could have been. Look at what the fuck Paul George is. I refuse to disrespect this nigga, even though I hate the fucking Clippers. 
and and people disrespect him because he came back and he's still going at it. Like those injuries took other niggas out. Like you said, they took out Roy Hibbert. They took out Brandon Roy. They took out Gordon Hayward. They mad that he fallen short of winning the championship. You still expect him to be winning champion fucking ships. That's a win in and of itself. And I hope he hit his shit. Nigga, they still expect you to be winning the motherfucking ship. I hope the Lakers drag y'all ass this year, but you walk around with your motherfucking head up high after we beat y'all ass. I know that's a mixed message. Even if it is your fault. Even if it is your fault, nigga. You you that nigga, bro. Yeah, it's Pat Pat Beverly. Yeah, what's that other what's that other nigga with the face? Reggie Jackson, cause he make my stomach hurt. Pat Beverly. Can I ask you a random question, bro? How yeah. have they talked about LeBron James hairline for two decades, but they refused to mention KD shit? Look at that man great ahead. Look like taco meat and that that shit that. running from the center. Don't do that. Bruh. That shit look like you know why I say this is the beat. same reason. The same reason, like that's something niggas can't like niggas can't control they they hairline, man. You know what I'm saying? Like it's it's niggas out here. I know, man. Niggas got their full head of hair. They is luxurious, it's beautiful. Niggas get like you think niggas wouldn't change their hairlines if they could. I hate that they talk all this equality shit and they only talk about knocking down the double standards that make them hard for them to see over the fence. They couldn't do that to no woman for all of her career. Live during the broadcast while she's trying to do her job, make fun of her hairline. There she goes, readjusting the headband again. They'll say some shit like, she just had a baby. Did you know that causes a struggle with hair loss and hormones and da-da-da-da-da? They do all kind of bullshit if they did that to a woman. Listen to this, though. Listen to this. You know who would do that for that woman. Women would do that for that woman. We, that is up to us to make sure that they stop doing that to this ass, because black women would make sure that you didn't fucking say that about that black woman that they was talking about her wig. Exactly. That, Look at what happened thing. when that nigga said that slick shit by uh shout it sexy fuck. I don't know what they hating that nigga was on. But some fuck ass nigga said something about uh E Canvas. You know what I'm talking about? E Canvas, uh uh-uh. You ain't seen Shorty. Australian uh-uh. Shorty. She who she stupid nice too. What team she played for? Uh I seen your IG. Uh but yeah, she like six eight. But she, <laughs> she slim fit though. But he said some slick shit. But it was like, okay, I'm gonna use LeBron as an example. LeBron, get your big ass up. Little ass Chris Paul can't hurt you. Look at him down there acting. It was one of them type of comments, but said about a woman. She did a response video, nigga, and everybody was like, yeah, who the fuck is this chump? But he said some slick shit and said the way he did it was by using a specific number, and you don't say a woman is heavier than she is. That's your first mistake, especially when she beautiful. You feel what I'm saying? She on your ass. He was like, she like 300 pounds. Ain't no way she could knock her down like that. She like, first of all, I'm 6'8 and like 235, nigga. Like, cool it with the bullshit. Like, 
It ain't no niggas who six eighted in this type of shape. You know what I'm saying? Cool it with that 300 pound shit just because you ain't never seen a woman that big and sexy. You feel what I'm saying? It was some of that tight energy. And I loved every second of it. But the whole point is, a man couldn't be mad about that comment. Yeah. Shaq got the man. Get your big ass up comment his whole career. Yeah. Look at how he feel. Oh. Get your big ass up. Nigga couldn't knock you down if he wanted to. A nigga grabbed LeBron on both shoulders and stopped him from taking off, and it's not a flavor. I just keep praying for LeBron to just do that to them. Because if he does that to Jay Crowder, his feet leave the ground without his shoulders and his head smacks. You know what I'm saying? Because of how much stronger LeBron is than him. When you look at the flagrance they call on other niggas, that shit don't balance out. You feel what I'm saying? Yeah. But that shit, their whole shit crazy though, bro. Watching everything play out and how the narratives get built. One white man on one TV show saying nigga ain't clutch who got to his first finals by scoring his team last 25 points, 25 points. and having 29 <laughs> points in the quarter. 29 points in the last quarter in overtime. Like, his coach, Mike Brown, that he carried to the finals, his play was get the ball to LeBron at the top of the key, spread the floor. And he found a way to score on all of those possessions. You know how fucking stupid of a play that is? To put him at the top of the key? That's no, no, to have shit. a 6'8 nigga with that type of athleticism oh. and you want to give him the ball that fucking far away from the basket. You couldn't run no motherfucking yeah. motion so that he had a bad matchup when he got it. You're going to put him at the top of the key with the point guard guarding him so when the switch come, they could put Ben Wallace or Tayshaun Prince big ass on him. It was the dumbest fucking play and, ever. And these are the people we they trust. They had Chauncey Biller, Mr. Big Shot, Clutch motherfucking finals MVP guarding him on ball and sending him to Ben Wallace or Tayshaun Prince or Rasheed Wallace. It was the dumbest fucking play ever. This nigga was hitting fall away three-pointers and shit. Unclutch. The narrative got built like six, seven years later because he got beat by a team that swept the back-to-back defending champions and beat the OKC Team that had Russ Harden and motherfucking KD. He he unclutched six years later. That shit crazy after the Orlando shot. As we talk about these sports and these narratives that get built, man, and dealing with the media who build a lot of these narratives, man. Can you tell me something good, bro? I sure can, man. Um, I appreciate you, that. You, you alluded to this story a little bit earlier today, and uh, we see it. I hope you can. I can help you to see it from a different perspective, because we talked about it in the third episode, I believe, when we when we took an episode to discuss mental health. When we had gone away, it's the first episode that's available to people. The first two episodes are in the archives somewhere. In the third episode, we 
talked about where we'd been before anybody had heard a word from us. And we talked about prioritizing our mental health. And so recently we've seen that the ma'am, the lady, the champion, um, world-class person, world-class athlete, Naomi Osaka, uh, refused to... The city my little nephew's from, Osaka, Japan. Osaka. Uh, She didn't even refuse. She made a a conscientious decision to forego um, interviews while at the French Open. And uh, she wrote it this... She shared this information privately um, with journalists, uh, with the powers that be um, that run the that run the tournament, and let them know that hey, after the tournament's over, I'll be glad to sit with you all, um, answer whatever questions, what have you, uh, regarding the tournament. It's just, and she's an introvert, and she's like I, like you said with LeBron earlier, spending two and a half hours running up and down the court, and then having to answer questions about what you just did and having to revisit, like, all you want to do is take a shower, get something to eat and go to sleep. Um, and so she made a decision not to partake in these interviews and they fined her $15,000. Um, and Naomi said, cool, that's fine. I'm going to prioritize myself and step away from the tournament. Give the spotlight to the people who, have worked very hard on this stuff, their entire, very hard on this sport their entire life. I'm going to give them this platform. I don't want to detract from them, the people who are actually playing. I'm going to pick up my racket. I'm going to go home. Here's y'all's $15,000 or what have you. I don't know if, though, if she has to pay it or not because she decided to step away, but she prioritized her mental health and she prioritized self-care and that for me was something fantastic is that this woman at the height of her of her popularity at the height of her like she is on a roll man she won like the last major title she said okay this is perfectly fine this is how y'all feel I'm going to take my racket and I'm going to prioritize myself and step away from the sport. That is something good because so many people are so focused on money and fame, their accolades, and they don't prioritize their health. And this woman is setting an incredible example. And she is always, from the time that she's coming to my consciousness, walked in that light of just being just that a light. Um, so Naomi, thank you so much for setting the example that you set. Um, thank you so much for being the woman that you are and the person that you are and walking in your truth in your life. We fully and wholeheartedly support you and thank you for being something good. Uh, the floor is yours, my chief. Man, I heard some crazy noises. But yeah, uh, just to piggyback on that, man, 
I definitely did take a different tack, but I appreciate you telling me something good because that brings a much healthier perspective and it made me think of something I hadn't thought of before from a different angle, I should say. Because when I saw that they threatened her with harsher sanctions and I saw that she chose to walk away rather than give them the precedent to take that action, and then she could choose when she came back rather than them being able to suspend her or anything like that or choosing to take care of her mental health as first priority. I thought I always think about the Tiger Woods effect or the LeBron James effect or the Michael Jordan effect and the economy around them. The notion that you are going to take from me while I add value to your major is something I just do not support. You know what I'm saying? Especially when the reason I'm doing this is because I'm trying to figure out how to add value while also protecting myself. And I struggle constantly with balancing mental health with financial wealth and financial health and, and, and doing different things and seeing the dichotomy between Knowing where you stand and drawing that line in the sand and also making it clear you know your value. Because I talk to I talk about my grandma, but one thing my grandpa told me as a young man, son, in this life, you'll never get paid what you're worth. You'll only ever get paid what you're able to negotiate. It's your job to make sure you're able to negotiate what you're worth. And you're not always negotiating for money. The very next major that comes up, I guarantee you it won't be discussion of sanction and fines. It will be compromise and happy mediums. We talked about compromise before on this show. Neither side will get what they want, but I bet you that she don't goddamn have to compromise herself completely. You feel what I'm saying? I guarantee you it won't be no bullshit sanction and fines as a choice. And I guarantee you she won't have to do the same media commitment that they expect her to do right now. I guarantee you it won't be a full concession. Because they're going to lose tons of motherfucking money. It would be like if LeBron sat out that play-in game. And it was Warriors versus Lakers without LeBron. That's what the French Open is now. Because the Serena of this time, the young, and I ain't saying melanated, the young, dominant, watch her stack up some motherfucking majors, phenom, just went home. Period. LeBron just went home. And LeBron wasn't always where he is now. You feel what I'm saying? Yeah. Four championships seeing shifting the lead, every narrative center around whether or not he gonna do he wasn't always where he is now. He was twenty three year old LeBron made it to a finals. It's clear that he 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 the next one. I'm saying awesome. Next Seri- and I ain't I don't wanna put that expectation and that burden on her, especially as a part of like everything that come along with that. But I'm saying from a damn it's exciting to watch what this young athlete is going to become. 
she got that heat and attention around her and her not being there matters if you think her not speaking to the media matters enough to find her wait till you feel what it's like to not have her at the event at all at all the social activism shit like this is that's social this is social activism. women so motherfucking powerful and that's on Maya Moore then when I when they come they come motherfucking hard hard I love them I told you they blessings like, man that, that, that's like they goddesses <laughs> Straight up, G. 